Hey there, folks. What do you know? It's the Uticast, episode 311. We are down for the unity with our good friend, Anthony Colenzo, a.k.a. the Bearded Brodel, as he joins us to talk about his 311 superstar international celebrity status, uh, his narration work on Unbreakable, the Donato Danny Nappy story on their podcasting streams. Uh, and of course, we talked about our years and years of being close friends. We talked about the New York-Florida connection and how uh, there's that intrinsic tie between New York and Florida and we can't get away from it. Uh, also this week, Heather is here. She's uh, she's shaming me. She's giving me a hard time as I do this. She's giving me dirty looks. Uh, we, talk, we talked a little bit about uh, 70% vaccination rates, talk about the Cornell River Monsters, we talked about a little big energy segments, we'll do some history lessons, uh, we'll talk about the Willy Wonka reboot, all of this, folks, and so, so much more. As always, we are happy to have you here for another episode of The Unicast. Nice and loose. Gotta start off mm. nice and loose is what they say. Sticky. It's it's a hot, sticky day out there, Heather. Uh, Heather, I have a job for you today. I don't know. It's a no. very... <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm going to get warned about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a very important job. Okay. Uh, you have to let me know when you see it on the thing, when we get to 20 minutes. If you see me get to 20 minutes, you got to let me know. We're All at right, 20 I'll minutes. I'll work on it. If you, I don't need it to be like a thing you do the whole time, because if you happen to look up... And see, we're at 20 minutes. Okay. You need to say, Sam, we're at 20 minutes. Why doesn't Kevin have to do that, too? Because you're close to the thing right, right there. You're right there. I'll do it. You want to switch sides no, to Kevin? No, I don't. This is my seat. Uh, <laughs> it is your seat. Right uh, Welcome back to the show, folks. It's the Uticast. Episode number three. 11. Three. Three. 11. I did the claps. My claps were bad, Kevin. Mm. Good job on the claps on episode. It's tough to incorporate claps into the day-to-day. You know what I mean? It's tough when you're not like a football game or concert. It's true. It's true. Uh, and joining us for episode 311, the only person I could honestly reach out to, he's a certified celebrity in the 311 community, the bearded Brodel himself, Anthony Colenzo. You know him from all over the place. He's also the voice of the uh, the unbreakable Donato Danny Nappy podcast breakout success podcast breakout success dude it's really cool I, I like hearing I like that his ver- his voice is the very first thing you hear every time one of the best voices of anybody I've ever known in my life I've, all the friends I've had and I've been friends with Anthony for a very long time one of the best voices well it's a treat for you folks because you have an hour and five minutes with me in that golden voice oh you guys went long we went really long and it's so funny because last week uh, Handsome Bob who was on or two weeks ago uh they were asking me, like, hey, was our interview too long? We went, like, 50 minutes. I'm like, no, no, it doesn't bother me. These interviews can go as long as you guys want. It's just less uh, less show running for me to have to do, right? Um, and they asked me, I was like, what's the longest anyone's ever went? I said, oh, you know, I've had, I think Beth and Dave Coombs are, like, unofficially the longest episode, like an hour and eight minutes or whatever. Mm. 
Um, but it's been a really long time, I said to them, since someone's gone over an hour. You guys mm-hmm. were close. And then immediately as I say that, yes. uh, Anthony Colenso comes in and blows the door off an hour. Much like the metaphorical home run swing. <laughs> just absolutely busting the seams off the ball. <laughs> we talked a lot about baseball, as a matter of fact, oh, in the yay. interview. Yeah. I it feels like that. baseball days with the heat. Yeah. It does feel like baseball. Uh, but yet I still don't want to watch it. <laughs> somehow, some way, it's still too boring it's to watch. cheating. Uh, so, guys, let's see. Uh, I don't have a ton of stuff for us this week, but I do want to get some quick thoughts in on a few uh, things. By the way, for you folks coming up, June 10th, this Thursday, uh, Performers in the Park, week two with our good friends Handsome Bob, who were on two weeks ago. If you want to know more about them, check out that episode, episode 310. They are performing Thursday night, 6 p.m. at Handshake City. Come on down. Check it out. They've asked me to sing a song. I kind of really don't want to. I've thought. I'm going. The more I think about it, the less I want to do it. No, you got to do it. I know I have to do it. I'm not looking forward to it in any way. You got to do it. uh, But theoretically, theoretically, there's a chance you could see me down there singing a song. Uh, So, yeah, that's Thursday, June 10th. Speaking of in public, Heather, I saw you in public. I know. It was so weird. I I wasn't expecting that. (laughs) Do you want to tell people what you were up to and where I saw you? Um. I was volunteering for Celeste. She was um, ahead of our first ward here. Yes. So I went there to volunteer, and Sam was just standing there. I was. I'm a big fan of Celeste, so I really like her, and I like what she's doing with South Utica. Was that that, like, garden party thing I saw yeah. going on? Yeah. That's a cool idea. No, it was cool. And just invite the folks to your home. Yeah. Like, come they, on over. And she was awesome. We had a good time. Sam was there. I saw Katie there. Mm. So... Yeah, yeah, it was good times. Uh, I was happy to be there. Celeste GFOP, she's been on the show a bunch of times. And, of course, mm-hmm. I live in this ward. Yeah, so, so you all mm-hmm. should be. You got a great garden back there. Oh, my gosh. It was like a little Narnia back there. It was like a fairy kingdom. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. Yep. And they had uh, some acoustic duo back yeah, there doing good. some acoustic mm-hmm. songs. Yeah. yeah. It was There's pretty... a big circle. Everyone was sitting around listening to music. Bring back the garden party. Eating ice cream. I know. I like that stuff, though. Mm-hmm. I love that kind of stuff. I love having people just hang out in the yard, music, talk. I have two small things I want to note. Number one, tough to do an ice cream party when it's that hot out. Oh, yeah. The ice cream was melting when I Ice cream was melting pretty quick. Tough. So um, everyone's getting soup pretty much. But they were so happy about it. I'm like, well, this is kind of melt. They're like, I don't care. Just give me it. I'm like, oh, you guys are so nice. It was was good ice cream. And uh, and number two, uh, the tough part about going to events like this for a guy like me is I don't ever remember anyone's name no, I don't and anyone. this, is, this is a tough scenario to go to when you're bad at names because mm-hmm. now I'm just like leaning on people like who's that person who's yeah. that person who's yep. that person it's like you're watching season four of some show that everyone else has been watching all the time yeah you're trying yeah. to catch up with quick catch me up who's this guy what's their story what's their backstory go yeah. <laughs> uh, but thanks to Celeste great time yeah awesome it was nice seeing you oh I also have one other small criticism <laughs> criticism small criticism small, small, small criticism <laughs> This is what he does all week. He takes notes. No, I, just, I saw I do. I've been waiting. I'm happy. I was very happy to go down and support Celeste. I have no, no issues at all with that. Well, I walked in the door. A guy said, hey, do you mind if I take a picture? I said, yeah, sure. Oh, go ahead. Knock yeah. yourself out. I don't know if it was just the timing or the angles. I feel like I was on camera like seven times with this guy. Like every I time know, I, I looked saw, up, there he was. I'm like, oh my God, he's back. He definitely got a bunch of us. A lot, lot of you us. and I It's just a lot I'm of like, you and me. How many did he take of just us outside? <laughs> like, are we the predominant? And it's a video, actually, too. It's a video. So, so they're going to hear gonna, all my. We're going to be all over it. They're going to hear all my snarky commentary. It's going to be terrible. Counterpoint Do you not roll up to the garden party in early summer to be seen? <laughs> I, was wearing that, I was wearing that Knicks t shirt and like this hat. Actually, he was wearing, and he was sweating. <laughs> Because he had a pink cup underneath it. Mm. Which is a mistake we should never yep, wear. I did cups. it too because we were both dying mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Is that like a thing that, is that not a common thing? I feel like I get criticized a lot for wearing a tank top underneath a t shirt. 
The day, I think the days of the generalized white undershirt have passed. Yeah, I only had one because I was putting a voluntary, sh- voluntary. It's an extra shirt. It's a lot of shirt when it's hot out there. Yeah. I think in my mind, I think to myself, oh, it'll help collect up some of the sweat. It sure will. Yeah. And then it'll but stay. Stick correct. You are correct. That's true. Um, I can't believe it's your fault the ice cream melted, though. It's not my it's fault. Your- <laughs> The people that were serving before me were leaving it out. And I said, why don't we put it in a freezer and then ask people what they want when they come? I feel like when it's going to be hot like that, you got to pivot. I'm do blaming like, the other uh, people. Do virgin pina coladas. People mm, love that. Oh, like virgin that. daiquiris, something like Or just margaritas. Right, well, if it take gets note, late. Celeste, if you're listening. No, I mean, you do what you like. <laughs> no, but don't. it's tough with ice cream because anytime you try to bring ice cream out into the summer, the sunshine, <laughs> you got about 90 seconds. Yep. You know, you've got a young kid, no, so I'm sure you've had plenty no, of melted know. ice cream. Today. I don't know, Heather. I've heard from sources on the internet that it is always your fault when ice cream Oh, melts. yeah, it is. I ruin everything, mm. and I, I'm assuming that this just gets worse as he gets older. So <laughs> I'm assuming everything I'm going to do is wrong now. So You're, whatever. of course, talking about your husband. Both, yeah. actually. Both. Yeah. Both of them. Uh, so, yeah, it was nice seeing you out at the ice cream socials. No, I was fun. so happy. I touched you. I was happy to see you. <laughs> I did feel weird because everyone else seemed a bit more dressed up than me, and I was like, I just walked really? over here from my house. They all, mm. they all look pretty relaxed. I didn't think that at all. No way. I think people get the impression that I'm a hippie. You think so? Yeah. Walking around with my weird Nick's tie-dye t-shirt on and this, like, dad hat uh-huh. and, like, some green shorts. Mm-hmm. Like, what's this, what's this guy doing? Bearded guy? I don't know. I'm getting hippie vibes. I think for, for people who haven't studied the Brooklyn sector of anthropology, modern anthropology might not know the difference between a hippie and a hipster. Hippie a and hipster, yeah. that's true. It's like, yeah, this guy seems like he hang, He goes to concerts. Yeah. And like, <laughs> He's cool, I think. <laughs> he seems coolish. <laughs> I'm not sure what he is. Yeah. I bet you he reads fancy books. Uh, I do. Or, I do. Yeah. Uh, I will say, and this is something I've noticed uh, being out back in the world, it seems like a bit more regularly lately. Mm. It's tough coming up with excuses to leave places now. Uh, you gotta get a kid. You gotta. Ha- I gotta have a kid now or something. Yeah. Mm. You tough gotta to have up. a kid. It works every time. Especially for someone like me who's like, I think I've reached my the end of my time here. Right. No, but you got. You just gotta go. Like you gotta work at the school. You but you have like thirty kids. Yeah. That's true. You, know what you I have mean? to go home and write papers or correct things That's or true. Get, get plans Report ready. Cards. You know, yeah. you've got a lot to do. You're a busy guy. You don't have time to be sitting at these places long. Well, that's another good one, too. If you show up to a party late and leave early, people think you're very busy. And very good. Oh, I mean, he must have, they must have some place to go. Because I just talk about you people. Yeah. <laughs> like that's a very George Costanza take. <laughs> that's, a very George Costanza take. <laughs> that's rude. Sam showed up so late and then left early. Uh-huh. Uh, speaking of which, you're talking about the, dealing with the kids today. I, uh, I had to substitute teach oh, today by that. myself. With, mm. uh, with some of the kids, and for the sake of uh, for the sake of argument, there were no virtual students in this class. Oh, so good. you're talking full on, mm-hmm. full classroom all students, in. all in, all day. And I just wanted to bring this up, not because anything wild happened. It was actually a very chill day. The kids were cool. It was too hot out, so everyone was down for a very mm. low key day. We did some outside stuff, which was nice. Uh, but even though I've done this many times, I woke up this morning and I was like. I was like, oh my god, I gotta do this all by myself today. These kids are gonna know, they're gonna see right through me. And I was getting the bad imposter syndrome. Mm. Tough stuff. Tough stuff. I don't know why. And again, I, and that's the thing, right? Like, so for people out there who get like this when they go through tough like situations, what I say is the minute you start doing the job, then it all goes away. Like I was nervous, all nervous, all getting ready, got there real early, I set up all the stuff, you know, getting all the 
slides ready and all the things prepared and all the papers laid out and I'm making like a checklist. You want to see my checklist? It's right here. No, I got rid of it. Ooh, I'll show you that later. Though. Okay. That's a fun thing I learned in high school uh, or in middle school. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> uh, no, I just forgot. This is also my school notebook. He's showing, yeah, he's showing us a notebook, too. everybody, just so you know. Uh, but yeah, the minute I like started doing the job, you just sort of forget that you're like, oh no, am I going to do a bad job? Because then you're just in the middle of it. So the best thing you can do when you're feeling down or getting that little imposter syndrome is just uh, just jump right on in. Yeah. And then you'll get so busy you won't notice it anymore. It's <laughs> no. my advice for, advice for all you guys out there. Uh, that's it. Heather, you're going to bring us the Oculus Rift. Yes, I am. Uh, it's awesome. Do you have a short review? Is that your short review? Is just it awesome? Buy it and so love it and get in there. Yeah, it's a VR. Sorry if you didn't know what it was. Well, I, I asked you a bunch of questions off air about it. We won't rehash all of them. But I have another question that I always think about. How long did you have it on before your head got tired of having the VR headset on? I don't even know. A long time. Well, no, you don't usually play longer than 20 minutes. Things don't last long. Like levels are like two minutes or three minutes long. So the next day you'll feel it though. After a while, you get used to it. The next day, your back is sore and your neck is sore. Because you have this, like, brick on your forehead for a little bit. It's not really heavy, but it's just a large thing on your forehead. I feel like I, I feel like you would throw me off. Were you thrown off at first? Did, no. like, you, you were immediately. I was like, in I'm it. Arling. I couldn't wait for this to show up. <laughs> okay, we've seen millions of commercials talking about it. What are, your, are you excited to try the Oculus Rift? Oh, I've done like the VR headset before. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah. crazy. No, I mean it's a cool thing. Yeah, it'll probably be it'll be wild. I like the notion of like you were telling me you were looking at things in like Iceland, yeah. like, Mount Everest, and all these wild like yeah. natural views and the immersive stuff like that. Like that's I've seen. You really have appreciation crazy, so. for Everest for sure because they show you how like steep it is that people are climbing. The things mm -hmm. people have to ski down, it's like it's insane. So yeah, it's crazy. That is, you can literally travel to other places and check them out. Well, you know that's the thing people talk about all the Oculus Rifts and the headset stuff and like all the games and stuff. I've been to a lot of like education summits, yeah. you know, like tech summits we used to go to for yeah. college. And it's wild how much of that stuff is going to be accessible in schools in the future. Like that's where a lot of the the mass marketing of it is really going to yeah. go. Yeah, and they could they could even do apartments in there if they wanted to. Like if people wanted to like make a thing for dual view apartment instead of having to actually go to it, mm -hmm. like going right through, you're just sitting at home and logging onto the whatever app it is for this area and go mm -hmm. to that apartment and check it out or a house that you want to buy or something. Well, the applications are like all over the place. Yeah. No, it's cool. Like people can do yoga on it. You can exercise on it. That's the reason why we originally got it was for this thing called Supernatural where you can actually do workouts on there. Yeah. So you were saying you were working out with like an athlete? Yeah, I don't know what football player. Sorry, guys. He was a football player. A football player. Just I'll, I'll have to look him up for you. I don't remember his name, but he was awesome. Yeah. He's cool. <laughs> we're friends. You know, virtual friends. <laughs> uh, I think our friends Justin and Katie were doing the Pilates thing this week at Handshake. Mm -hmm. And I, I, we've talked to uh, Miss Lapata, I think is her last name, Valerie. Mm -hmm. And she's really cool and talked about it. I was going to go and I chickened out at the last I minute. Know, I, I wanted to go, go try the Pilates. Pilates. I'll get burned, but I'll do it. I, I'm so terrible at the, it. The key with all these things is to not worry about how bad you may look doing it. I'm, I'm sure I look like how I'm going to feel. I look. <laughs> uh, all right, so we don't have a ton of time, so let's go through some national news, some local news. Uh, so it was announced earlier this week on Wednesday that it is uh, Joe Biden is announcing the National Month of Action and outlined additional steps that his administration is taking to get 70% of the U.S. adults at least one COVID-19 shot by July 4th. Mm. Uh, President warned Americans who are not vaccinated that they remain at risk for getting seriously ill, dying, or spreading the disease to others. 
uh, to make it a special. He made a special appeal to younger Americans and said COVID-19 would have long-term implications on their health. Uh, here's a quote, all over the world, people are desperate to get a, uh, a shot that every American can get in their neighborhood drugstore at no cost with no weight, Biden said. Um, what do you think about like July 4th is like the timeline? I feel like a good time to like, we, this is a good date we can set where everyone can get excited for. Uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's July 4th. It's literally the most agreed upon date that we can get excited for. Like, I, mean, I mean, you can't forget it. Maybe, like, I mean, other than the New Year's Day and probably Christmas for most people, like, what other date do people know? Yeah, July 4th is a great thing for our president to try to aim for. Yeah. Uh, so the other side of the story is the month of action includes, obviously, lots of corporate sponsorship in an effort to try and get more people uh, on board getting the vaccinations. This includes a partnership with Anheuser-Busch that could mean free alcohol for every American 21 years of age or older. Whatever it takes. <laughs> Whatever appeals to get your vaccine. Whatever it takes. Is this a better... Do you think this is a better... these college kids a 30 rack of Bud Light or White Claws or whatever if they get there. If, seriously, if some kid's like 20 years old and goes to like Louisiana State University and he doesn't want to get his vaccine, <laughs> but you've got to give him a case of White Claws for the summer... I would have died for that in college. Like something well, free alcohol. I was going to ask, this is a better incentive than state fair tickets, I just right? State, I was just going to say that. Everything is better than state fair <laughs> tickets. nothing good without that. Is that still happening? <laughs> I'm sure it is. Uh, Yeah, so uh, Anheuser-Busch, the national brewery that produces Budweiser, announced Wednesday it will give away free alcohol if the nation reaches Biden's goal to have 70% of the U.S. receive at least one dose of the vaccination. Pretty safe that for them. Yeah, that's not good. The company said in a news release that Anheuser-Busch will buy America's next round of beer, seltzer, non-alcoholic beverage, or other AB beverage. It instructs those 21 or up to upload a picture of themselves at their favorite bar or restaurant and enter to win. So I, I'm still sort of curious at how this actually works. Are they like buying a round of beer? Yeah, do you like have a date and time you have to be at a bar to get a free or is it no, certain bars? We'll probably we'll send you some sort of voucher. Like a voucher made yeah. sense. Um, so just a couple of quick stats for you guys before we move on. Uh, nearly 51% of the total U.S. population has received at least one dose of the COVID-19 vaccine. And nearly 41% of the total population is fully vaccinated. Uh, so there's about 12 states that have already met this goal of 70% of adults with at least one dose. Uh, Connecticut, Hawaii, Maine, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New Mexico, Pennsylvania, Rhode Island, and Vermont. Conspicuously absent from this list, New York State. We're almost there. Uh, that's a good lead in, Heather. So let's get to some New York State stuff. Uh Cuomo announced today that New York State will lift most COVID-19 restrictions when, when the state hits 70% vaccination rates. What that actually means, the things will be lifted will be capacity restrictions, social distancing, uh, cleaning and disinfectant, health screenings, and contact information for tracing. So there you go. That's the goal line for what, 70%. What a tyrant. Yeah. <laughs> An absolute tyrant. Absolute tyrant. <laughs> it's all his fault. Uh, governor said mask requirements will remain in place uh, in line with the CDC guidelines. Will be some exceptions, obviously, large venues, schools, public transit, homeless shelters, correctional facilities, hospitals, yada, yada. Um, uh, the health commissioner, Howard Zucker, gave a conservative estimation of reaching that threshold in early July, right around the time of July 4th. Mm-hmm. See, they're all working together here. Yeah. Uh, it is funny, though, I will say in the school world, though, today, it was a strange day because there was sort of, like, mixed information about the masks that, that came out today. 
<laughs> oh yeah, we used to, was that a stress around your house this no, morning? No, it wasn't short. My kid doesn't go to school right now. It's just the way people are acting about it. It's ridiculous. Mm. Yeah, it's been a big mess. Uh, essentially what happened is New York State was going to modify their CDC guidelines and allow schools to choose no masks outdoors for children. Uh, but they didn't really get the CDC uh, response back in time. So even though they said they were going to start it today on Monday the 7th, they didn't. Right? Yeah, because... The CDC wasn't gonna recommend, wasn't gonna ever pe- let say it was okay anyway. And why would they respond if you email them on a Friday? Yeah. <laughs> or you email on Friday. I want an answer. The news so dump like- day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I I fully do. I do fully expect that sometime in the next week though, I will get some sort of message on our like teacher parent listing uh, website that we go to every day mm-hmm. that will let us know what the next step is. And they've been changing it pretty regularly, so it seems like all the local schools are up to guidelines with everything. So, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, there was some stuff about that today. Uh, let's move on. Ooh, here's a good one. This is a little fun one. Uh, Cornell researchers earlier this week netted a sturgeon that was more than six feet long in Oneida Lake. Look at the size of that bad boy. 73.6 inch lake sturgeon was recently netted. I got to get a weight on here for this thing. Oh, 159.4 pounds caught during a three-day netting survey on the lake. It was absolutely an amazing fish. This is the only way I can describe it. Uh, said the man who caught it, Tom Brooking, a research support specialist at the field station. Uh, It was on board for five minutes or less and then released, Brooking said, adding the fish could possibly be 26 years old, which would make it among the surgeon's first stock in 1995 in that lake. So, Mm, Strongest fish in the lake. Strongest fish in the lake. It's been there for... That lake's a tough lake, too. (laughs) Well, I want to say sturgeon... Yeah, sturgeon are one of the largest New York State freshwater fish. Mature uh, males average about three to five feet in length. They occasionally grow as large as seven plus feet, more than 300 pounds. I don't know if it's in this article, but I feel like sturgeon are one of those things like goldfish where they'll continue to grow as long as their environment allows them to grow mm-hmm. uh, the, the food sources there for yeah, it. Yeah. So you can get some big, giant, massive, mean-looking sturgeon. But yeah, good for you guys. But I feel like they said it was only on the boat for five minutes. I bet you it took like hours to get on the boat. Mm. That big, giant fish, 160 pounds. Mm. I bet that person's like, oh my gosh, <laughs> this, this is happening. It's got to be so wild. Like, I went, I used to go fishing when I was a kid, but we would catch, like, trout. Sunfish. You know what I'm saying? I caught sunfish. Sunfish? How big are sunfish? How big are sunfish? Only, like, this little, oh, like, little, little tiny, tiny ones? things. <laughs> you used to go fishing when you were younger? Uh, yeah, I mean, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Through a couple of reels. But, like, there was nobody in my family who was, like, into fishing. You know what I mean? We go a little kid fishing. The closest I ever got to doing any, like, big-scale fishing, we used to go to, like, uh, was Alexandria Bay or whatever it is mm-hmm. right there our St. Lawrence River. We mm-hmm. used to do, um, you can get, like, like sturgeon up there, but I also caught catfish up there. Some mm-hmm. pretty big, mean-looking catfish up there, too. Fish are kind of gross. Yeah. <laughs> fish are kind of nasty. Mm-hmm. That's your takeaway from this uh, Cornell River Monsters bit fish. Kind of nasty. It's probably while you're you're in the water, you don't even know it's in there. Oh, tw- uh, did, yeah, you, you didn't say it, Heather. Well, I just caught it twenty. Yeah, because yeah, she's a professional. She <laughs> had the point instead. Yeah. All right, we'll do some two quick uh, big energy segments before we close out. So this big one's... energy, Heather. Big energy. I got energy. Uh, I'm in it. This one's from the Guardian. This is earlier this week. Uh, North Korean leader Kim Jong Un has banned skinny jeans, mullets, and certain body piercings as symbols of a quote unquote capitalistic lifestyle. According to reports, oh, uh, guys, what do you think of these three things? Uh, skinny jeans and mullets, particularly, and body piercings. Does this represent capitalistic lifestyle to you? Um, I mean, you it's just kind of, bored. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's North Korea. A bit of a stretch. <laughs> on par, on par for the course. Uh, yeah, I feel like uh, 
skinny jeans, I'd be happy to see you get, get rid of anyway. I think skinny jeans lifespan is over with, isn't it? I feel like we've lost, uh, we've gotten to the end of the li- the arc of skinny jeans. Are you sad about this? I Heather? like them. But I also got into them way after everybody else, so. Because <laughs> you're behind that I was thing. way late. <laughs> so a big energy, uh, Kim Jong-un says, no more skinny jeans All in right. Korea. I think this will actually just bring a rise in like bootleg skinny jeans. Like the counterfeit black market skinny jean market. What would be, uh... You're going to move to North Korea to be an import-export guy? <laughs> I think it may be import-export guy yeah, yeah. Uh, with some skinny jeans. Salvatore skinny jeans. <laughs> skinny jeans. Uh, also this week, uh, this one comes from the punk rock scene. Uh, local St. Pete, Florida outlet reported this week that an upcoming concert featuring Teenage Bottle Rocket, Make War, uh, and Ruderkin was hoping to create a safe space possible by offering sensibly priced tickets of $18 to all attendees who can provide proof of vaccination and $999 passes for people who are not vaccinated. Uh, is this, let me ask you guys a question. Do you think this is a funny gimmick or do you think this is sort of unnecessary? I think that it's not, like, I think it's fine that they did that. I mean, they're serious about trying to get people vaccinated. I, mean, I think they're being funny at the same time. It but... feels kind of tongue-in-cheek, but I can feel like a lot of people probably read this in bad faith, being like, oh, these guys. I think it's kind of funny. Yeah, I think people, funny. people who read stuff like that will read anything like that, so it doesn't matter. Like, it's their show, so that's what they want to do, you know what I mean? Uh, I did, like... I don't think there's a lot of overlap between people who are going to their show. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's one of those, like, to get them on the front page of a popular blog website. Uh, in We're respo- talking about it. <laughs> in response to anti-vaxxers crying about the oppression of not being able to go to the show, guitar player uh, Carlisle said, perhaps get together a GoFundMe, or all the or all the other weird anti-vaxxers can help support you going to a Teenage Bottle Rocket show for $1,000. That's always an option. So that's the free market. That's the free market is what that is. So, uh, to Ray Carlisle and the rest of the band from uh, Teenage Bottle Rocket, a lot of big energy this week for this. All right, I'm going to debut a new quick segment before we get to the interview with this guy uh, this week, okay? I'm going to read you guys the headline. And you guys are going to tell me if you want to know more. Okay. Are you ready? Sheriff attacked by flying dildo riding a drone. Kind of interested in that. Kevin? (laughs) I mean, no. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I I, I am. I'm just... Uh, Because it's one-to-one, I'll give you one quote from it. Uh, This was about a gentleman whose campaign was hassled by a dildo flying on a drone. Uh, I saw this guy. It was a rainbow. It was a rainbow dildo. Yeah, rainbow dildo. Uh, this was uh, his name is Mister. I, I don't know his first name. I gotta find his uh, Gonzalez. Oh, Manuel Gonzalez, Sheriff Manuel Gonzalez. I like his one quote at the end that just says, uh, "I will not be intimidated <laughs> by a dildo on a drone." I, as you should not be. Uh, all right, so there you go. Uh, that's all we get for that headline. Let's get to this week's interview, and folks, dig in. Nice hour and hour long interview with one of the greatest voices I can imagine. The voice of a generation. The voice of a generation. <laughs> uh, look, you can hear him on the Unbreakable, the Donato Danny Nappy story. You can see him uh, in 311 fandom pages across the internet. Uh, but honestly, I, we talk about it all the time. I say it at the beginning of the interview. A lot of people on this show I've known for years because they've been on the show, casual acquaintances, people I've met through the show. Anthony Colenzo uh, and myself, and Kevin, obviously. Mm-hmm. We're real, true, honest-to-God, real-life friends, <laughs> right? Like, the realest friends. So it was no surprise that Anthony... I'm surprised it took us this long to have him on the show, but episode 311 felt like a perfect time for a nice, long conversation with our good friend, Anthony Valenza.
everything, everything in my house looks like something barbaric. Do you know how often, like that is, so I think about this all the time because I was talking to Bill Keeler a couple weeks ago. Mm. And one of the things I was talking to him about, I was like, and I was trying to ask him, and I don't know if he necessarily got it this way when I was presenting it to him, but mm. I was like, how much of your career did you have to hear like unfavorable, like, oh, Howard Stern, Howard Stern things, right? Mm. Because he was in that like shock jock era. Right. And he, he played it down a little bit. Like, he's like, yeah, I never really listened to Stern during that era. Like, I, I knew that he was a thing, but I wasn't doing that. But I think with podcasting stuff, they're, the one that people throw at me all the time, I always thought it would be Mark Marin, mm-hmm. but it's Joe Rogan. That's, like, number one, like, oh, like, oh podcasting? Oh, you, you Joe Rogan guy? I'm like... GRE experience I'm like, now? do I look like a GRE? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and, and I always think that's sort of funny. Like, I wonder if that's... I think that's just the first touch point for anybody when it comes to podcasting now is Joe Rogan. He's the he's the new Oprah. He is the new Oprah. <laughs> he is the new Oprah. <laughs> I'm so happy to see you, man. A little coffee this morning. Cheers. So. I know, man. This is great. No, I've, like, I feel the life coming back into me. Like, that's why I'm like, I'm going to stop for coffee before I... Have some coffee. Mm. Have to. Have to, dude. I was... I mean, it's probably like a city fall. I tried dressing kind of like I'm back in the city for you. I don't know if this is like a little homely for you, but, you know, you drink bad coffee on the way to get good coffee. You've always had (laughs) phenomenal fashion, but that's something we can get into later on. Mm. Uh, I, of course, am joined on our 311th episode by the one man I had to call for our 311th episode. And, you know, folks, I do this all the time where... I talk to people on this show, and I'm like, oh, I've known this person for a long time. We've been friends. Oh, I know this person. Mm-hmm. The man here, Anthony Colenzo, who you know, uh, he's the narrator on the Unbreakable, the Donato Danny Nappy story. If you're listening to his voice, he's a, a prominent voice on the Disruption Network. The he, Golden Pipes, they The say. Golden Pipes. <laughs> uh, are you still with Westcott? I'm still with Westcott. You're still in Westcott? Yep. So if you were at any sort of concert where Westcott's there, you may have seen this man. I was there last night. Was, <laughs> uh, Anthony Colenzo, we've known each other for, God, I can't... I'm, Makes we'll me, go over a decade. You gotta be over a decade, because right? Because it's been five years since I've been in your house. It's been five years. I so, can't believe that. I know. You know, it drives me nuts because Kevin tells me he stops in to visit you guys once in a while. Every once I, in a while. And I'm always just like, ah! <laughs> Damn! You went to Colenzo's didn't tell me? Damn it! Uh, so it's... For the last like three months, I've been doing this thing in my head where I'm like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna text Colenzo one day and just show up to his house. But that's not really in my nature. Over the years... This is my house has been the house where people just show up, mm-hmm. right? I don't I don't like to just show up randomly at places. I'm one of those classic friends. Well, will just show up at your house. Yeah. I, I, I don't have my bike to like ditch it in your yard anymore. I, I'm just the jeep outside. I'll come over. Uh, <laughs> but for folks who don't know you the well as well as I know you and know mm-hmm. your backstory, let's let little people uh, little let the folks know a little bit about you and what you're about. Anthony, where were you born, and what do you consider your hometown? Ooh, this is a good one. Um, I was born here in Utica, New York. Mm-hmm. Um, I got my social security number from Florida. So, right. I guess. <laughs> I never understood that. In, like, Real we'll short. Just, we'll start there. <laughs> <laughs> we'll start there. Um, so it's like I was born in Utica, New York, and I moved down to Florida in 1987. So immediate. So you're real quick. Real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, all of my, all of my memories are from Florida. I have no recollection of even being here. Um, you know, all of, I did all my grade school, you know, up until my sophomore year in high school is when I moved back up to central New York here. Now, what's interesting, I want to, I want to talk a little bit about this because, uh, even last week when we had the guys from Handsome Bob on, the lead singer, Chris was also from Florida and Mm. he made his way up here as well. I think that Florida, Florida and New York is an interesting connection because as a kid, 
The first thing I ever did when we left New York, the first place I ever visited was to visit family in Florida. It mm. seems like there is a weird sort of, you, you stay in New York until you get old and then you move to Florida. It's a thick fiber. A thick fiber. <laughs> one the other. Uh, what, I know that Florida gets sort of a bad rap these days. Oh, Florida man does this, Florida oh, yeah. guy does that. But did you, what did you think of growing up in Florida? Did you get the hype, like growing up with the nice weather? Was it, were you... That was the thing I heard. I was like, man, yeah. I, wish, I wish I lived in Florida because it's so nice. It's near Disney World. What was actually growing up there like? Growing up in Florida was awesome. It was fast. It was, yeah. It was, it was definitely fast living just because yeah. everything is nice. Everybody wants the new thing. Um, well, I lived in a old uh, fishing town. Yeah. Um, it was uh, Stewart, Florida. Mm-hmm. Well, just outside of Stewart is Palm City. But Stewart, Florida is like Stewart, the main Florida. city. Um, it's the sailfish capital of the world, largest man-made inlet in the continental United States, which I thought was a pretty fun fact. Um, I know, right? <laughs> it's pretty good. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's pretty, pretty good. fun That's fact. Quick, quick, quick. I thought that was good. Um, but growing up down there, um, it was it was great. You know, it's uh, not too many. Um, oh yeah, you know what? Very large demographic. You know, all oh, across yeah. the board. Oh, yeah. You know, it wasn't just like. You know the Richie guys, or you know, um, you know Italian Guido guys. Like yeah, yeah, me. yeah. Um, it was a, a, a run across the board, and it was it was great. You know, just because I could play sports year round. Mm. Um, you know, I lived you know six miles from the beach, but it was like ten miles because of the intracoastal waterway. So I had to go over yeah. um, one bridge, and then another bridge, and then a roundabout, and then another bridge. And then another bridge. So, like, <laughs> I actually just took you to the beach. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm wondering, though, because, like, growing up around all that, and, like, you were, we were playing baseball at Mets. I was playing baseball. Yeah. I was, um, my mom used to work for the St. Lucie Mets, so I kind of grew up in Major League Baseball. Yeah, that's the one thing I always remember around, about, like, when we would go to visit you mm. at your house over in Whitesboro when we, when we got to know each other. Like, right. all the conversations we had about baseball. I don't think I knew when I met you... Because you're a little bit like me in that way. Mm. I don't know if people look at you or look at me and go, ooh, sports guy. Yeah, right? <laughs> I don't think we're essentially the, the demographic for like... <laughs> but you knew so much about the Mets and you know, the St. Lucie Mets and baseball and stuff growing yeah. up. That always blew my mind, that connection you guys had. Down I there. had professional guys come over to my house. Yeah. We had dinner. Mm. Um, my baseball coach growing up, his name was Ivan Morell. Mm-hmm. And he was on um, Hank Aaron's baseball team. When he hit his 715th home run. Wow. So if you go to the Hall of Fame and you see the lineup card, you can see Ivan's name right there on the card. So that was my baseball coach wow. growing up. Did you ever, and I'm sure we've had this discussion in our in our off times before, but how serious did you get with playing baseball? Oh, up? I got, I was, I was in, man. You were in um, me? Uh, I was on traveling teams. I was on all-star teams. I was late to all-star practice because I was on... Um, another championship yeah. team, you know, so I was being just run, not necessarily run down, but I was saturated with baseball. And when uh, I ended up getting a, a scouting option um, for the St. Lucie Mets organization when yeah. I was 14 years old. And um, so it's, it's, you don't go right into a ball, you know what I mean? Right, of course. So when you're, you know, just like uh, the yard dogs that we have over here, mm-hmm. it's a semi-pro team. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you, you get, you, they, you get into the organization just so you can be bred, you know what I mean? Um, and groomed just so you can 
Just like how the the Yankees do. You mm-hmm. bring them up from the farm league and you have them for one year and then pff, out you go. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> And then you got to buy them back for yeah, a yeah. lot more money. But I was I was in pretty deep, man. I I had tryouts, I had open tryouts, mm-hmm. I got scouted, I had a scouting report. Um but then you know, the teenage years hit, yeah. and... Did you, you know, just get burned out from the process of it, or, like, the game itself, where you're just like, ah, I got there's, like, girls there, and stuff that I can... Yeah, pu- puberty <laughs> hit puberty. me hard. Puberty <laughs> yeah. hit me hard. You know, like, because when, when I was 10, it was when I first started skateboarding, yeah, yeah. and, you know, punk rock, oh, yeah. you know, and then... <laughs> and it all just kind of, like, hit the scene all at yeah. the same time. And it was I was super impressionable, because, like... Right when I was ten years old was the, you know, the hit or the break of the mid nineties. Yeah, it was the whole transformation. Yeah, um, you know, just because you know, nineteen ninety 1990 to nineteen ninety four. Yes, it's the nineties, but ninety five to ninety nine, mm-hmm. it's a totally different era. Yeah, um, and that's when we really came. I think for guys like our age, that ninety five, ninety six, ninety seven, that run toward the two thousands, yeah. really formative years that's where all those influences that sort of pop up start getting the seedlings that's where my cousin from florida comes up to show me his collection of punk rock albums and i find blink 82's dude ranch i'm like hey what's this right that's the now you're talking those era like that era. heavy petting zoo yeah <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> heavy petting zoo. so i brought heavy petting zoo home yeah and obviously no effects album for all you people out there who are like what are they talking about yeah uh <laughs> so i brought that home and you know i'm listening to mm. Some good old fashioned punk rock, <laughs> and my mom looks at the album and says, "Absolutely not." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is your mom good about that? Because my mom was always like, she tried her best to like let me listen to whatever I want. But a lot of those Blink One Eighty Two songs talk about like dicks and butts and oh, yeah. gross stuff, and you're Shit, like, "Piss, fuck, cunt, cock, suck, motherfucker, <laughs> tits, fart, turd, and swat." Yeah, it's we a whole this. song. It's a whole song. <laughs> yeah, we know this and. And I, and I, I was like, like, my mom was always preached. I always thought your mom seemed to chill when we would hang out with her, but I don't know if she was like as a mom mom. Broke like down, man. You know, <laughs> broke down. <laughs> Same thing with my dad. You know, my dad's former Utica police. Yeah. You know, yeah. fucking once a cop, always a cop. Mm-hmm. Fucking hard nose. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom, she's from, you know, the Schuyler area. She used to be like this, you know, hippy dippy kind of thing with the, what are those tassel? Oh, the, tassel the fringe jacket. Yeah, fringe, fringe jacket. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, well, it's so funny, though, because I love, like, that family dynamic you guys mm. had with you and your your dad and your brother. Yeah, we even talked about your brother. I was going to ask. I know, right? It's nice, because I was jealous that I never had a brother. Like, I, never, I never had, I had older sisters, but never had, like, mm. a brother in the same sort of age-ish range where you could bounce stuff off. How close were you guys in that era? Not close. Not close, Oh, really? man, Mike will back me up for this, because, yeah. like, it was, it was a, a it was a time, man. Um, you know, uh, super impressionable, you know, the kids that were in the neighborhood, you know, Mike was hyperactive and, you know, we didn't know the difference between like breaking balls, getting razzed Mm -hmm. and just downright being mean. Yeah. That's, that's a nuance Um, to that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so people would make fun of Mike and Mike would fucking go fight. He would go beat him up and, you know. They would just get them going, and then I'm, you know, the the super chill one. I was like, Mike, what are you doing? Yeah. And then, you know, since we lived in the house, you know, he was super impressionable when the mid-90s hit, when he started to distance himself from, you know, our punk rock mm-hmm. skateboarding stuff, and he started hanging out with other guys that listened to 
DMX yep, and yep. the hip hop you know, scene early '90s. Yep. I mean, rest in peace, DMX. Yeah, he he was best. my DMX was my brother's <laughs> man. You know. <laughs> so when when in this transition did you guys decide? Did the move upstate? The move upstate was what brought us together. Brought us together, yeah. The because we didn't have all of these outside influences and outside stressors that mm-hmm. were um, contributing to you know, the animosity that we had yeah. inside the house. Um, my brother was constantly in trouble. I became constantly in trouble. Um, the whole reason why we're up here is because we couldn't stop getting in trouble. Yeah. Um, I went to a disciplinary uh, school. Yeah. Um, I was expelled from a school. I went to uh, a juvenile detention facility for over a month. Um, and it was just, it was too hectic. You know, and when we moved up here, it was like someone didn't put the extra reel on for the movie. And there was this blank void. Um, Well, I wonder, because, like, you're, I think you're a smart guy. Like, I've had enough conversations. Did school come easy to you? No. I hated school. You hated school. Hated school. Hated school. Yeah. Um, Just because I didn't like the curriculum. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. I didn't like what I was being taught. Um, and it's probably goes to show for everybody else that's out there. It's like, we have all of this information. Why do we need to know these particular things when this is the life that we're living? You know, so a lot of the stuff that was being taught wasn't actually needed in life. So I oh, kind of yeah. just took a back seat. When I, when I worked, especially in high schools, the last mm. years I was working in Utica high schools, you know, and mm. I, this was a, this was a real conversation that we would have with teachers and with students. You know, I, I knew students in 12th grade seniors who were like, working in car shops and we're sitting there trying to talk to him like hey man where are you gonna go to college you're gonna go to college you're gonna get a job and he's like yeah. i want to work on cars and to a certain point i'm start happy to start talking to people I'm like why don't we just start talking to car dealerships or car places around here and see if we yeah. can get this guy an internship because what are we doing why are we making this guy sit here why are you trying to teach him something he doesn't yeah know? He, he doesn't want to know this like our should our job simply to be help facilitate some pathway to adulthood for this kid mm-hmm. and not like we really need to focus in on getting every single kid to like go to a SUNY school and pay all this money yeah. when it's not a real thing for you know, everyone. What's normal for the spider is chaos for the fly. Yeah. You know, like that. right? <laughs> it's it's that whole thing. Yeah. You know, um, you know, you're judging someone on if they can be, you know, trained like a monkey or not, yeah. or if they can just be, you know, you get the piece of paper proof that you can be coached or taught or um, that, that you have been educated in some way, shape, or form. Well, I used to say this to my high school kids. Like, they're like, why do I have to learn this subject? Mm. And I'm like, because we're asking you to. When you go to your jobs, they're going to ask you to do stuff and you're going to have to just do it. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I was That's, like, yeah. like the, a lot of the structure of elementary, or elementary and high school and middle school is preparing you for the structure that having a job is going to entail. Yep. Committing a certain part of your day to something else to facilitate the rest of your life, right? Like that's a, and that's a weird thing that for kids to understand. It's like, no, and it sounds like, it, like oh, we're going to indoctrinate them to the working system. It's mm-hmm. just the reality of it. Like yeah. these kids learn some structure early on because of it. And that's really a big key to it, right? Granted, I've never used like the decimal fraction stuff in, in like math the way I thought I would. I do. I, you do it? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like physics and stuff. Like, I loved physics. Right? Mm. Like I took AP physics in high school, and I loved it because I liked the idea of learning how like gravity worked yeah. and like the the processes of the Earth and the curve and, and the, the curve. curve. But I couldn't comprehend the math. 
They're like, here's how to prove it. And they would put it out in front of me. I'm like, oh, God. I know, right? What, do I, what's the, <laughs> what is this? brought a fucking... That's not even he. What is that? <laughs> so, let me, so let me ask you. Was there some level of culture shock coming from that lifestyle, coming up here where you said it was... A, the distractions were gone. Oh, how yeah, was man. that adjustment period? Um, it took a little bit because, you know, my brother tried to do a full transformation. Yeah. He, you know, because he can... He could be a new person. Yeah. I just kept my head down. I didn't want to really... I thought I was done with school, to be honest with you. I didn't know I was going to be enrolled in Whitesboro High School. Yeah. Um, just because when I was... I was still in the detention center when my parents sold the house. Yeah. So this... It was really quick. Yeah. Real quick. Um, uh, like, we had the house for sale for like 180 days. Um, no one took a bite on the house but when I was put away they sold the house mm, and my yeah. parents didn't tell me yeah um because they knew I was going to act out and if I acted out mm. I would have had another month put on um so when I came home my whole house is in boxes yeah and then I have to finish out the rest of you know a week or two at this disciplinary school um we we moved up here and without all these outside stressors and stuff um, we, we really tried to be a new, a, a new unit, you know, my, my, this is my dad's home. You know, we have roots here. This is my mom's home because we have roots here. Uh, my dad went to Proctor high school, graduated in 1963. Yeah. My mom graduated from Whitesboro, 1971. Um, so while they sold the house, find a new place up here, they were canvassing the area to see what kind of school they were yeah. going to put me in. Mm -hmm. My dad didn't want to put me in Proctor. Um, they didn't want to send me to New Hartford um, because it was too clicky. Yeah. Um, small. Yep. Too small. Uh, Clinton was another one. Um, my dad really wanted me to put me uh, put me in Notre Dame. Oh yeah. Um, yep. But I was a very non-religious person. Mm. Um, I had that conversation with my parents. They're like, "Do you want to go to Notre?" I'm like, "No, no, thank you." So there was there was a lot. Of you know little little things that we're trying to put together so we can have a, a better education. So when I enrolled in Whitesboro, um, whole vibe changed. Yeah, whole vibe changed. Mm -hmm. I became an art student. Yeah, I became an art, art student. student. Interesting. Um, and I would like to thank Sheila Nadeau. She was mm -hmm. the you know she's the teacher that was over at Whitesboro. She's also um, a teacher of the kids over at Munson Williams Proctor Arts Institute. Mm -hmm. Um, loves the kids. Oh, yeah. I, I went, you know, after I graduated, I actually went and saw her over there just to see what she did yeah. because she made such an impact on my life uh, just because it just changed my thought process of just being at school. Yeah. You know, like I didn't know that you could be an art student at school. You know, it's funny too because I notice this when I talk to teachers a lot. It doesn't take much. I'm always surprised by how many which kids come up to me afterwards and say like, "Hey, thanks for saying this." That's got to be great for you, man. It's great, but what's wild about it is you don't always think about the impact that you made in the moment, mm -hmm. right? Like I was like, I remember saying that to you, but I didn't at the time realize how deeply you took this thing that mm -hmm. I told you. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it is nice. It's. It's vindicated, and I'm not really liking the yeah. pat in the back, attaboy kind of guy anyway, but right. it is, it's satisfying in a way that I didn't expect, which is odd because for years I watched this happen to my mom, who taught first grade for like 50 years in Utica, where we'd go through the grocery store and people would be like, 
oh my god, are you Mrs. F, you were my favorite teacher in first grade, and I thought that was just what people did mm -hmm. to, like, other people in the store. Like, they're like, oh my god, you're my baker, I love you. Right? Like, I, that's not a thing that happens <laughs> in a lot of other jobs. There's right. a weird fascination to it. Uh, well, I would say, though, like, you... When I met you, you had a pretty solid group of, of friends, all the guys that we ended up knowing together. Did you find meeting people up here to be a struggle, or did you catch right on with people up oh, here? Oh, I caught right on. Yeah. I'm, I, I, I got a different kind of outlook on the world, yeah. so I'm, I'm not going to say it's easy for me to make friends, but I let people, I guess people are very comfortable around me. Oh, yeah. So it's easy to talk to one another. I you never... Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, I'm not going to say this whole aura or... You know, my, my presence is, you, you know. You do have a, you do, you've always, I always think about this, I've told this story before, but I'll, I'll tell it again here. Uh, when I got, this is one, this is my teacher moment to you. And you're like, I'll never, I'll never forget this moment. We were at Eternal Images. I was getting my very first tattoo. Oh yeah, I walked man. walked in and I didn't know you were going to be there. We did not plan this. You just happened to be there. I was a, I was a hangout guy. A hangout guy. <laughs> so... We were downstairs and we were talking. We were getting ready for the tattoo. And I, you could tell that I was... A little nervous. A little nervous. <laughs> and I'm asking you all sorts of questions. And I was like, so what are we talking about here? What kind of pain are we talking about here? And you said to me, and I, I'm probably paraphrasing this, you were like, think about it like a, like a Native American. Oh. It's a rite of passage. It's supposed to hurt. <laughs> and when it's done hurting, you'll have this tattoo. And it'll prove <laughs> that you've gone through the rite of passage. And in, my, in that moment, I was like, oh my god, that's amazing. I think about that all the time. Holy cow. And I use that when... So it, profound. It was very <laughs> profound. And I tell that to my, anyone I talk to who like is like getting a tattoo or wants to get a tattoo. Like, does it hurt? I'm like, yeah, it's supposed to hurt. Like, it's, if it doesn't hurt, you did something wrong. They didn't do a very good job, right? <laughs> they didn't go deep enough. So uh, I want to get... I want to I mention to people... Uh, before we get too far off on other things. I know, I, I tend to go off on tangents. No, 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 I, I love when you go off on tangents. Uh, for folks who obviously know Anthony's voice from Disruption Network, I've loved the work you've done on this Unbreakable, uh, the Not On Happy Story podcast. Oh man, what a great, what a great time that was. So I have a couple quick questions about that, and for folks who want to listen to it, it's on Apple Podcasts, it's on Spotify. It's, it's on, on all podcast platforms. All platforms, I know. <laughs> it's, it's, it's everything, I just say that now, it's, like, it's on every platform. Um, so... I don't know how much of the the setup or the the beginning of it you were you were around for, but what how is this process compared to like the normal podcasting stuff and normal like uh, broadcasting stuff you do? Was this more intensive? Did you guys like have to do a lot of behind the scenes work before you even sat down? Um, there was a lot of there was a lot of planning in the in the episodes that we tried uh, yeah. week to week. Um, we sat down with. Donato Nappy, and he was with his lawyer, he was with his son, and he was with Z, so there's four people in the room, and he sat down, and he was just going over his accounts that are on the Freedom of Information Act that we got from uh, the, FOIA, yeah. you know, the FOIA accounts. Um, he was able to attain those in 2015, and you know he's had them locked up. He's been talking about writing a book. Um, but the connection was made because Danny Nappy Jr. and Z uh, from Disruption are really good buddies. Z knows everybody. Z, Z knows, knows everybody. everybody. He knows everybody. <laughs> Z knows everybody. And the cool thing about Danny Nappy, his wife was Van Halen's hairdresser on tour. Oh, wow. What amazing. a cool connection. <laughs> um, <laughs> what a That's cool... amazing. <laughs> what a small world we live in, isn't it? I know. Um, so 
he was uh, Donato Nappy. Um, he was he really wanted to have a book. He he wanted to make a book. Yeah. He's got all of these FBI files that are you know he obtained through the Freedom of Information Act, and he's got them locked away in a steel briefcase. Yeah, I mean, super cool. <laughs> <laughs> super intense. It's like wicked intense. Super man. cool. And you know, he's he anything that he can, you know, that was in court or could be proven, he's not gonna go off on any tangents like mm-hmm. me. You know, he, yeah. he's gonna go what can be proven and that has been already written about. He's not gonna go and yeah. you know flagrantly talk about someone. Well did he have like final say, like when you guys recorded, did you have to play it for him first before you Oh yeah, it? we sent it away. Yeah. Yeah. Um we sent it away. Um uh, we tried out a few types of cadences with my voice, and mm-hmm. uh, you know that that's another thing. You know, just because I'm <laughs> sitting here talking, and you know I'm close to the mic, I'm too far. Oh yeah. You know, there's all this like different types of, um, like nuances oh, to you know. There's so much to it. Like I I used to laugh about it when we would do like making you do videos and stuff. It's like. We'd do the whole video, and then Justin would pull me back here and be like, oh, we need to do ADR now. I need you to sit in this room and repeat all the stuff you said so we can drop it in over the the other shots. I'm like, this all... Shouldn't we just get a mic? I was like, I don't understand. Like, it doesn't make sense to my brain, but like... Because, you know, front man of a band. I'm just singing. I'm just the talent. I'm only... <laughs> you know? So, like, you're... You, you have the talent, and you're trying to just make it work. You're yeah. trying to make it work, and you, you don't want to... Did you, you get to sit down with uh, twice. Sat down with him twice. I mean, the guy's pretty fucking intense. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Like, how... He's got to be an older guy now, but... 79. But still intimidating. Yo. <laughs> <laughs> you know... <laughs> oh, my God. Like, I'm a tough guy. I'll sit oh, yeah. there. No, like, I'm sure. not going to sit there and go fucking beep, beep, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, this guy, you know, like, my dad's 76. Yeah. Still a tough man. Um, I wouldn't want to mess with your dad. I don't want to mess with your dad. I don't want to mess with your dad. Um, Donato, you know, since he's been in jail, you know, he's got like this type of silent prowess to him, Mm. you know, very keeps to himself. Um, but the way that he speaks, you know, it's, it's almost (laughs) like he's, he's still got the youthful mind. Yeah. You know, cause he's, it's frozen. His brain's fucking frozen, man. Frozen in time. Um, (laughs) Wow. And it's it's you really pick up on that. So it's like he'll he'll come up, yeah, he'll come up and talk to you, and he'll like he'll grab you. And he's like right in your face, you know. You you feel the look, man. And it's like, my man, <laughs> like you you bring you you bring some you know, and you still got it, Donato. You got the intimidation factor. <laughs> what uh, it's so funny too because I, I was doing a little bit. You know, I've listened to. Most of the pod, I listened to. I went back and listened to the first episode this morning just so I could get my, my head in the game. Uh, I would say, though, I was funny. Growing up as an Italian in upstate New York, mm. I think there was always a part of me, especially with the one really Italian side of my family. Like, the minute, like, mafia culture made its way into, like, my my peripheral, like, mm. start watching, like, Godfather and Goodfellas, yeah, Goodfellas and, and, and Casino and, and Casino, right? All of a sudden, there's always that one moment when you're like a teenager, you're like, wait a second. You like look at your old man, you're like, I wonder, I wonder if he knows a guy who knows a guy who knows a there's, guy. There's no doubt about it. And I used to be a kid, and as I got older, I was like, that's bullshit. My dad's a bum. He doesn't know anything about anything. But then you read more and more about Utica history, you're like, you know what, though? He probably knew somebody. <laughs> you know, once once you start doing a little deep dive yeah. in the Utica history, 
you know, it's it's not just like Colonial or oh, yeah. you know General Herkimer, or, you know whoever we got on the Parkway over yeah. here. Um, you start to like see a lot of family names mm-hmm. pop up, and there is there is a this Utica wasn't run just by one family, right? You know, this was open territory. It seemed like yeah, uh, a lot of culmination of uh, Italiano families. And uh, Nappy was in the. Uh, the Colombo crime family. He was associated, associated with, with. Yeah, he was associated with five different crime families: the Magadino, the Colombo, the Buffalino, huh. the La Cosa Nostra. Yeah, there's probably one more I'm forgetting. There's, yeah, there's probably. There's, <laughs> well, it's um, the the fish market from Rhode Island. Mm. That was a big family mm. that was doing a lot of work up yeah. here. So once you start doing like not necessarily just the mobster deep dive, but you just start seeing that this very well connected. My oh, dad, yeah. my father was a beat cop. You yeah. know, walking the beat down over on you know the Lower East Side, Bleecker Street, um, and then I'd, he'd cover like ten miles in a day just walking walking the streets of Utica. I was just watching The Wire and I was thinking about how rough it would be to be a beat cop. That's respect for your old man. I wouldn't want it to. in in the time. <laughs> yeah, in the you time. Know? Yeah, because he was a cop from '67 to '87. Yeah. You know, Utica's golden years. You know, back in 1972, yeah. Utica's population was over 126,000 mm-hmm. people. That blows my students' mind when I talk to them about that. 126,000 people. I mean, that's just what it's, you know, um, what the census was back then. Yeah. Now, we're just pushing over 60,000. Yeah. Um, Been sitting in that pocket for a while now, yeah. like 10 years. And yeah. the average age of people here is 62. You know, so it's just like, this is a... I don't even know what kind of area this is. You know, it's a, it's a, it's definitely a melting pot. It's it's a very strange. I always, I always wonder. In my head, I feel like it's a unique area, and then I start thinking about how there's probably one area like this in every state. Gotta be right. Like there's one place in every state where it's a a pretty fifty fifty mix of like Republicans and Democrats. It's pretty fifty fifty mix of like. Uh, diverse population area, not diverse population area. It hits a huge cycle of everyone and everything, depending on where you go, and it's all very close to each other. It's the most purple district I've ever seen. (laughs) Very much so. I, you know, sometimes they call you know the outskirts of Utica the Confederate part of New York State. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's, it's strange. It's really strange. But it turns on a dime. It and does, it, and, it, and it really does spark an interesting conversation almost everywhere you go in the in Oneida County, I feel like. Mm-hmm. In particularly, like this district too, like this 22nd district. Uh, that's that's a whole offshoot. Uh, let me ask you this question. What's I don't want to spoil the podcast because I have enjoyed it and if folks haven't listened to it already, I know a lot of people have listened to it mm-hmm. because most of our, uh, I know my mom listened to yeah, it. We got over 6,000 downloads yeah. on it. So people are already listening to it. So I don't want to, so if you haven't listened to it, please go check it out and listen to it. Uh, but what would you say, without spoiling too much of it, was something you learned that you didn't know on the show that sort of stuck with you? What's something you took away from it you didn't expect? Mm. Let's see. Let me think. I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is, you know, the the, the cops are fucking liars, man. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, you know, being a son of a cop, my father, you know... Yeah. My he, I'm not gonna put him or lump him into the whole yeah. into the whole thing, but you know there was some, and he knew these dumb, dirty cops that were out mm-hmm. there that were just trying to 
make a buck or something like that. But that's the time, the the times were, um, just completely different. Yeah. I I don't know. It's uh, well, my big takeaway is yeah. Uh, the cops definitely perjure their shit. They try to cover their tracks, and there was. It was a it was a free for all. It, it was it was fucking loose back then. <laughs> well, it's funny. This is gonna sound sort of. Uh, it sounds like a normie thing to say. I just started watching The Wire for the first time. Okay. Okay. So I started watching it like last week. I finished the first season, and one of the things you notice about the show like The Wire, which is again about drug dealers and cops in West Baltimore and the interconnected case mm. that runs through the whole season, you notice that no one is presented as a good guy or bad guy, mm-hmm. right? Everyone is just presented as a person doing their job in a larger system, right? And there's a really interesting point in the show where the guy is talking, one of the lieutenants is talking to a cop, and he's sort of getting him, the guy's about to become a sergeant. He's like, sooner or later, you're going to have 10 to 12 guys under you. And some of them are going to be young cops on the way up. Some of them are going to be old cops who are mad that you went ahead of them. Mm-hmm. And some are going to be total pieces of shit. And no matter which ones they are, they're going to look to you for how they're supposed to act in your unit. If it's about the work, it's about the work. If it's about... Uh, loyalty, it's about loyalty, and if it's about something else, then it'll always be about something else. Right. And I, and that's like the first time I ever really thought about it like that, because you know I I'm I have cops in my family too, and I've always just thought of like yeah, cops, good guys, shoot yeah. bad guys, right? Just I think the grayness of the of the justice system and the way it connects to the people who get brought into it, that's something you don't learn until you're older. Mm-hmm. And this is probably something that I'm sure uh, Mr. Nappy knows a whole lot about. <laughs> I, I bet. Yeah. I bet. Uh, so that's on Apple and Spotify and all over the place, and I'll, I'll put the links in for folks uh, at the end of the show. I don't want to keep you forever here, Anthony. We haven't oh, even we, gotten we, to... We can hang, man. We can oh, get we can. get to the meat and potatoes if you need to. Uh, we are uh, on episode 311 of the show, which is the reason that I yeah. decided to call you on. Uh, you are the biggest 311 fan I know. You're almost a member of like the 311 fan universe. You're like well known. <laughs> International. Internationally well known as the bearded International. Uh when were you listen is that a Florida? Did you bring that up from Florida with you? Did you listen to 311 when you were in Florida or was that something that so where did you first find 311? Oh man. <laughs> I love this question. <laughs> you know, me I I I became a big big 311 fan. I want to say when I was 12. Um, when, like, I had, I had their music, you know, like when Down came out, we all had the album, um, when Beautiful Disaster came out and everybody got the album, um, and when Sound System came out, I was, I, that funny, random memory, just because as soon as I said Sound System, um, when Sound System came out and you can go to like, what, Specs Music or yeah, FYE yeah. or something like that, mm-hmm. and you can put on the headphones oh, yeah. and pre- preview the track, <laughs> um, I put the headphones on, and then some girl comes walking by me, she's like, ew, don't put those headphones on, you'll get lice, <laughs> and I, <laughs> forever, forever. I will remember that. I, I, I worked <laughs> in that FYU for so many years, and that makes total sense that someone would do that. Uh, those were, for folks before the internet, by the way, I can't tell you what a draw that was to our FYU record store that you could go over and scan the, the tape and listen to it. That People would come in and not buy anything. 
They just come in and listen to it all day I had long. to hit the button. Yeah. Because there was only like four CDs you could listen yeah. to. And yeah. you had to hit the button to light up <laughs> so you can listen to it. You know? I don't even know what else is on the thing. I just remember seeing the green album with the, you know, I almost yeah. wore the sound system hat on the way here. Um, but, you know, it's like I had the sound system album. But, like, I became a big fan, you know, when I started to drift away. Not necessarily drift away from punk rock, but I started to expand my musical horizons. And the song "Living and Rocking" on the end of the Sound System album oh, yeah. was like super punk rock. You know what I mean? It was a fast-paced song, and I was like, oh, "I fucking love this song." And then I was like, "Well, if I like this song, and I like, you know, I started to like really deep dive into the catalog." And then um, when everything started to happen to me in Florida, and I moved up here, Three Eleven became my only fucking friend, man. Mm. And that it became. My, my constant companion. Yeah. Um, you know, whether it be like playing Tony Hawk 2 Pro Skater and, you know, having my Transistor album downloaded on my yeah. PlayStation. Oh, yeah. and I'm... <laughs> it's a real, real era-specific thing, guys. I know, he, I know exactly what he's talking about. <laughs> you know, I'm creating my own, my own stages and I'm, you know, everything's glowing. You know what I mean? So, um, 311 just became uh, such a, a fixture and, you know, uh, pillar in my life. Yeah. Um, then I, I just didn't want to do anything without it, you know, yeah. just because it, it made me feel better. And it kind of just transformed my thought process, my outlook on the world, you know, how I my tr- how I treat other people, you know, just the fact that they have the, the motto of stay positive and yeah. love your life. And it was, it was very, it, it resonated with me. Um, so when I moved up here from Florida, um, you know, the 311 vibe came with me. It helped me keep my roots from Florida because of the whole beachy vibe thing. Yeah. And, you know, living in a landlocked type of area, um, I was able to, you know, I guess have a different type of appreciation for other songs in the catalog. Because now it's not just your summer vibe. It's what else you can listen to throughout the day because they literally have a song for everything for me. Yeah. And that's how it kind of catered to my life. It's so wild too because I, I think for a long time when I was growing up, I listened. I, I talked about this in a pod a couple weeks ago. I loved Sublime. Sublime mm. was like my favorite band when I was a kid, right? Punk rock band. Punk rock band for sure. <laughs> and then I remember when I first like met you guys, like I was like, you guys like three eleven. Come on, it's like, <clears throat> you, you but, your little chin beard like. Chin, yeah. Like, <laughs> but, but honestly, the earnestness in which you guys loved. 311 sort of forced me to reevaluate the band. Like, wait, am I being hard on this band? Because all my friends who I care very <laughs> deeply about seem to really love this band, right? right? So maybe I'm giving, maybe I'm not giving these guys a fair shake. You know, Nick Nick Hexum is super corny in this lyric with the lyrics, mm. and then you know, S. A. Martinez is fucking um, a professor. <laughs> He's an amazing. I like, like S. A. <laughs> <laughs> You know what, though? Like, I think about this all the time because I just talked about this. I loved Bad Religion growing up. Oh, killer. And, and I listened to some Bad Religion songs. And I'm like, that's a corny fucking lyric. That, that's a really corny <laughs> lyric, Brett. I don't know what you were thinking, but I still a good track. But, like, this one's tough. <laughs> How many times do you think, if you had to guess, have you seen 311 at this point in time? Over 100. Over 100. Yeah. So do people actually stop you and come chat you up at, like, these events and they see you? Um, yes, they do. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It's amazing. Um, I love it. Uh, you know, funny, funny thing. There's this other kid that's in the 311 community, and yeah. he uh, he had this. Um, he was the guy that could get you your 311 jersey. 
He, yeah, wasn't, yeah. he wasn't the guy that made it. <laughs> yeah. He just knew a company um, that can give you three numbers on your shirt. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know? And then you, you song Amazing. name on the back. Yeah, it's great, actually. Um, <laughs> but nobody knew exactly who he was. And when he, I saw him at 311 Day down in, um, well, March 11th is 311 Day, you know, because March, the third mm-hmm. month. Um, so 311 Day was down in uh, New Orleans, and we're all hanging out. And he specifically comes up to me, and he's like, hey, man, you're the bearded brodel. And I go, yeah, man, what's up? (laughs) 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 And he's like, "Uh, I don't know if you know me, but uh, I'm so-and-so, and, and, you know, I'm I'm the the 311 All-Star guy. And I go, all right. (laughs) So what? What's going on, man? (laughs) Nice to meet you. And he's like, so uh, can can I ask you something? And I was like, all right, this is already weird. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'm vibing with it now, but sure, yeah. This is already weird. And he's like, how do you deal with your internet celebrity? And I went, you got to have good knees, buddy. <laughs> got to have broad shoulders. Broad shoulders. <laughs> and it's like, you know, I, you know, people know me. They see me at the shows. You know, I, I fly a fucking flag. It's got my beard logo on it. It's a great um, logo. It's a big fucking flag, yeah, yeah. too. Um, and people, you know... They, they know that's me, but I have this whole community yeah. that is what we call the bearded brodels. Yeah. You know, uh, my little motto is, if you got scruff, you got enough. You know, because <laughs> there's people like, I can't grow a beard. <laughs> you know, it doesn't grow it's right it. here. It grows in patches. And I'm like, so what, man? Get, let it grow. It's Any, a mental beard on the inside. <laughs> anybody can grow a beard. <laughs> but can you let it hang? That's what <laughs> I was trying, my kids at school were asking me about this, like, how long has it been since you've sh- not had a beard? And I'm like, I, I don't even remember. Oh, I man. honestly don't remember the last time that I was a clean-shaven dude. Like, how far did you go into my Facebook to do a little research today? Or the other day? Or this I past week? I go far. I don't remember how far back I went. Did you now. see me when I had my Fu Manchu? No, I'll have to go back. And look at that. <laughs> you went full. I'm jealous that people can do it. <laughs> the problem is, you've seen my old man. Oh yeah. If I shave to the mustache, I just look exactly like him, and I and it's not <laughs> like a terrible look. It's just I can't take myself seriously after like two days. I'm just like doing impressions of him in the mirror. I'm just like, hey, I'm gonna go to lunch, yeah. Uh, so I, 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 had, I had three months of the Fu Manchu man, and it was it was. How did I feel about that? Uh, well, they they were free on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's good. You guys have been engaged since 2017, so it's good to see the spark is still right, there. The spark is still there, man. Uh, by the way, congratulations. I don't know if we've had a chance to talk about congratulations on your on your wedding day. You're a married man now. Is it in May? Early May? May 16th. May 16th. Of course it was. <laughs> uh, <laughs> love the suit. You looked great. Thanks. Love the photo with the bull moose. Hilarious. Uh, photo bomb. <laughs> uh, I was going to ask you if you've been domesticated since you've been married, but you guys have been together for a long time. So you've We've been together been... for over 10 years now. Yes, yeah, so you've probably been domesticated for a long time. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, which, which is an anomaly in itself. <laughs> it is. You know, like, I'm not going to say I was like a, a womanizer or anything like that. I just didn't really put too much effort into, you know, having a significant other because, you know, life was... Life was crazy. You know, it's like we were all in bands. Yeah. You know, we were all, um, you know, trying to do our own thing. Yeah. Plus, I was, you know, I'm not going to say incriminate myself, but I was, you know, doing some extracurriculars out in oh, yeah. the, the middle of nowhere. For you sure. Know? So like I, a lot of us were. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, 
think too it's funny because you probably don't see it because you guys have been together for so long. Mm-hmm. You, you know, it, from the inside it looks different from the outside. But from the outside, it make you guys it just made total sense. I've never been. I wasn't surprised that you guys got engaged. I wasn't surprised you guys got married. It's just like yeah, those two. Yeah. It makes it's the perfect it's, sense, right? We, like we are a great pair. What's uh? Here's here's a serious question. What do you, you have any advice for couples out there? For oh, dude, communication, man. Yeah. Straight up. Yeah. You know, no no one has direct access to your mind. <laughs> nobody. <laughs> nobody. <laughs> Nobody, you know, nobody knows what you're doing unless you say it, yeah. you know, unless you wear it on your face, you know, mm-hmm. and if you don't want to talk about it, then nothing is going to be yeah. communicated. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to say like, you know, you, you have, you know, something growing on your balls, but if you do, you should talk about it because it could be transferable. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things where it has to be all levels of communication. Um, it's not just talking, but it's just understanding that the area between us is clear to be communicated about oh, yeah. um because it's i'm not talking at you i'm talking to you you know um is anything of this you know registering with you can you plug one ear yeah. all these different types of ways that we you know cliche the communication yeah. process communication is key man yeah that's that's the whole fucking thing i think when i was younger too and it came to like women's stuff it would always be like oh i have to like keep a certain part of myself isolated from exactly. the outside world. When in reality, the move is just be like, here's me, bam. You like it or you don't like it. I'm not going to pretend that I'm not going to be something that but I But you am. don't want to be too, like, TMI on the first, you know, first You're round. right. Yeah, you're, you're right. Well, it's tough when you're single and older because then you're like, you ready for all this? Bam, here's some stuff for you. No, yeah. like, I don't even know. I, I don't even know what it would be like dating now. Because I've, I've missed yeah. the whole... Uh, swiping and internet. Um, the best compatibility. The best, most interesting, like person I've talked to in the last few years was someone I didn't realize I was talking to as we were talking. We were just having conversations and mm. like texting each other, and I was like, "Wait a second, what's going on here?" <laughs> texting this person a lot. <laughs> like, but it, every time I've gone on a date, mm-hmm. like some Tinder thing or some like hinge thing like that, this is a mistake. It, but if I did go on one of those internet things, what's the, uh, Bumble? Bumble, Is, it, is yeah, that the one, one where the women have they to... They pick you. They pick you. They pick you. Which I thought would be nice until you're sitting there like, oh, no, this is not, the results are not good here. <laughs> what is, what's going on? But um, I'm, I'm happily married. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to be, you know, I, throwing my curiosity into that kind of thing. I think it's funny because, like, uh, I watch, you know, again, I worked in high schools, I worked in middle schools, elementary schools. Mm-hmm. I don't even see, like, the relationship stuff the way it was when we were kids. Like, I don't... People... The internet changed all that for even younger kids, oh, yeah. too, right? Like, there's just... I mean, we were... When we were young, like, middle school kids, all we did was just tease girls and try and get them to pay attention yeah, to us. Yeah, stealing and a lot scrunchies of, and yeah, running away. all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and now a lot of these kids are like, what? I'm playing Fortnite. Like, leave me alone. Right? I'm just like, let me right. Let me add to that. They're, they're not bored. They're, they go on Fortnite for dates. Is that a thing? They date on fucking Fortnite, man. So that's... It's... Dude, it, I don't even have kids. I don't have kids, but my friends do, and they set up these Fortnite dates for their kids, but that's when everything goes wrong, because here it comes, their credit card is oh, connected yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> to yeah. the online thing. So now... <laughs> so now, these kids are buying all these skins... 
so they can like decorate their yeah. characters so they can go on these fucking dates. Dude, my co- my nephew's <laughs> like that, not with Fortnite, but with something called Roblox, which is yes, essentially the same goddamn thing. Yeah. I said this to somebody, one of the teachers last week, and I got kind of a mixed reaction when we were all having like a discussion about it. I was like, the difference between kids today and when we were growing up is we were allowed to be bored. Yeah. Mom, I don't have anything to do. Then go outside. Then go upstairs and read a book. Go do something. I know. Fucking go like, out and figure it out. Don't yourself. end up on unsolved mysteries, buddy. Yeah. Just <laughs> the, the freedom to get bored and try and find a way out of it on your own led us to a lot of fun stuff when we were kids. Absolutely. Not always good, but not always bad, right? Like it's just there was this level. Like now, I feel like there is this concern with parents. Like I need to have my kids entertained or doing something or taken care of all the time all the time i can't tell you how many hours i spent in my room playing with like ninja turtles or wrestling figures by myself for weeks on end right like the the bucket of legos bucket of legos yeah just i don't know you're allowed to be bored that's all i'm saying drawing pictures reading comics uh we've gone 48 minutes with anthony colenzo i didn't i told him we were going to go much shorter than this so i want to thank you for spending time with us here today Uh, and again folks i'll link everything for the unbreakable the donato danny nappy story it's on all podcast platforms the first voice you hear the very first voice you hear the golden pipes of one anthony colenzo oh yeah that's me and of course uh you can see him at most 311 events (laughs) you can see most most 311 events uh i just want to ask you this before we get to lightning round questions you've been doing the westcott thing for a long time it seems like pandemic stuff is getting back to the pre-pandemic normal, like normal in terms of like people going out. To a certain degree. To a certain degree. Mm-hmm. Did you uh, did you guys have any issues with that over the last year? Was with the concert stuff? Like, were you guys shut down? Were you working during that period? What was going on? Um, a, a lot happened. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you guys, are, I guess my question is, you guys seem, to, are you guys getting we, back to some semblance yeah, of reality we, now? We made it out. Um. We are hiring. Yeah. Um, so every every month we will be hosting a course. We have the course. It's out in Syracuse, seventy five bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, we uh, we had to restructure. We had to vet our employees again for these certain types of jobs that we yeah. did um, because since we are a security company and also an events company. Yeah. Um, since there were no events, we ended up um, getting a lot of. Private security, or something you know, like private that. security yeah. gigs with mm-hmm. uh, the emergency response team through Onondaga County, and mm-hmm. when they were doing all these COVID tests, um, they were doing them. Um, we were working with uh, the homeless community yeah. uh, out in Onondaga County, sure. so they're testing them, putting them in these motels. We were doing the security for the motels. We were doing the security for um, the Catholic charities, mm-hmm. uh, men's shelter, and we were also doing um, other types of. Uh, surveillance jobs at hotels for um, or other area hotels for uh, COVID response. Mm. Um, so that was uh, a very trying time yeah. uh, through the security aspect because uh, just the the homeless community is definitely something that needs to be addressed. Yeah. You know, and uh, and I'm not going to say it's underfunded. Uh, I mean, you could say that. I can say that. <laughs> you could say that. Uh, but they definitely need a lot of things, and there's a lot of misplaced. Um, funds within it, but the people that work within the homeless communities really yeah. care, and that's oh, yeah. what I re- I saw. And then once we got out of uh, the emergency response team with the homeless community, we started doing the uh, thermal scans and COVID screenings for Mohawk Valley Community College. And that's probably like a whole new set of skills you have to like reteach your entire like you know entire employee base. Um, everything, yeah, everything, because everyone's you know. Um, 
into uh, the types of security, you know, all the fun stuff. Yeah. And that's what brought them there. A lot of the guys that we had, this was like their second job. It's supposed to be fun. Um, it wasn't fun, so we lost the people because they didn't want to do this for their second job. Yeah. Um, so last year was a very trying time. Um, I was actually in Las Vegas wow. with uh, 311's manager, mm. hanging out in his hotel room. Nice. <laughs> and <laughs> just a little name drop there for all you folks. Yeah, I was I was at 311 Day yeah. because they announced the pandemic on 311 Day. And I look over at the manager and I said, well, what the fuck are we going to do? And he said, I'll get to you in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think it's so funny, too, that you say that because it so many places that happened. You know, I, I, I told this story before. I was going to my first week of my second student teaching job. I'd been at the high school. Now I was down at the middle school. I went in on a Monday. We had a three-day seminar at college to work on, like, teaching stuff. And then Friday I went back. That Friday I went back, the morning we got in there, teachers knew. They're like, we're not going to be here all day. They're going to they're gonna shut this building down, and we are going to be home within the next two hours. And they were they were right. And, it was just, and I wild. can't tell you how many places that conversation, like, what do we do? Wild. Wild times. Wild times. <laughs> really, it really, I was trying to explain this to me. I'm a history teacher, right? Like, mm-hmm. So for the most part, I have to tell these kids, I'm like, no, this is wildly unprecedented like we really don't have some like we can talk about the black plague if you want i'll be happy to talk with you about it but that's not this this is is different right like uh anthony let's do some lightning round questions before i keep you here for the rest of the day because i I mean you still got a whole pot of coffee and we're gonna drink it too so uh speaking of which let's get into our first lightning round question with ant-man anthony colenzo the bearded brodel you can follow him at a colenzo 311 on twitter uh anthony when you wake up in the morning, mm. how do you take your coffee? Oh, you know what? I uh, it depends on where I'm, on what location I'm at. But if I'm at my house, mm-hmm. um, I just I do uh, almond creamer. Almond creamer? Are you are you off the dairy? I'm off the dairy. Good for you. Good for you. I'm I'm only using it for protein supplement at the moment because I haven't bought any almond milk yet. Mm. I'm using it in the morning for my protein mix. Okay, eating breakfast. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that later. That's not, that's not for podcast discussion. Uh, what was your first automobile? Ooh, um, it was a 92 S10 Blazer. Nice, yo. That's a that's real era specific. Uh, it, what a great what a great truck. <laughs> the horn didn't work. <laughs> um, I could take the the horn off of my steering wheel. Yeah, and I could hide stuff <laughs> yeah. in my steering wheel. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I think like I remember, do I remember this? 92, you didn't have this, you had the Wrangler, you had the, the Wrangler, I feel like, when I, I'm trying to think of what cars you had when I met you. When, Did uh, you have the, I you had, had the Jeep. I, well, I had, I right yep, I got the Jeep, I had two Jeeps, um, I had the Escalade. You did have the Escalade, I forgot about the Escalade. Um, I had, um, a 97 Taurus, and I had a 94 Taurus, which happened to be uh, the inaugural year for the Taurus, yes. because they got rid of the Tempo. <laughs> I think Vasali had that same one. He also had like that 94, 95. Fucking chorus. green. Green, green, green. green. <laughs> I had green steering wheel, green seat covers, green seat belt. Like, it was green. Uh, you may or may not have taken your 1992 S10 Blazer to see it. What was your first live music event? A live? For, um. Probably back in Florida, I would imagine. Oh, definitely. Yeah, back sure, in Florida. Right, yeah. Um. 
the first live music event that I went. I bought tickets to see No Effects when I was eight. What? Yeah, man. Damn, look at you ahead of the curve. Uh, <laughs> not allowed to go. Of course, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Dude, tickets were fucking nine dollars. <clears throat> go see No Effects. Well, they're were they based in Florida? Or they were they? What No Effects? They're, they're West Coast, right? Yeah, they're West Coast. <laughs> West Coast, right? West Coast punk. Yeah. Uh, my first musical event, I want to say. Hmm, you know what? I don't know because I don't know which one to pick. There was this That's one. Fair. There was this one particular event. Um, there was this. Uh, I was at this the Lyric Theater in Stewart, Florida, and there was like uh, like three bands that were playing. One was a punk rock band that we would listen to. <laughs> yeah. Um, they're called Just Like You. They're obviously not around anymore because they. They were good, but they were just a rip-off of every other punk rock band that was at, at the time. But then there was this one band. They were called One Million More. One Million More. Yeah. Like, I was vaguely, vaguely familiar for some um, reason. There was, uh, there was a band that played at the EC a bunch, and they were called like uh, One Million... Oh, man. One Million Something... Uh, I'd have to I have to do some deep research. I'd have to do a deep dive. I'd have to do some research. But this band, one million more, they were fucking intense. Yeah, like I've never heard screaming like this. You know the 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 band brought props on stage that they smashed on their heads, and I was like, this is fucking amazing. (laughs) Uh, All right, so let me see here. Uh, Did you see Good Charlotte? Were you in Utica when they showed up at Club Amnesia, or did you not make it up here? Because that was the first one for a lot of us up here. It was when Good Charlotte played at the Captain Trips on Genesee Street. Oh. Good Charlotte and Mest. Mest. I know, Mest. What a time to be alive for Mest. <laughs> uh, all right, so let's get to our last que- uh, next couple questions here. Uh, I gave you this one before because people get mad about it. If you could have dinner with any person, living or dead, who would it be and why? It can't be your relative. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm getting this mixed up with, like, the, the concert you know, alive yeah, or yeah, dead, yeah. and yeah. I'm like, oh, motherfucker, Bob Marley. Um, <laughs> Yo, I'm a, I'm a listener for sure. <laughs> motherfucker, Bob Marley. <coughs> I just watched um, a really cool doc about Bob Marley. I'll send it to you. Mm. Um, but alive or dead, who would I like to have dinner with? Um, silence. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's everyone's least favorite question. Well, it's it's well. Because I'm, I'm getting it mixed up with the, you know, yeah, yeah. live concert thing or, you know... Uh, I mean, Bob Marley's a fair answer. I mean, he's a I've great yet answer. to get the answer. Like, I kind of think that Bob Marley's legacy gets a little overshadowed now. People don't... I don't... I feel like I listened to a lot of Bob Marley when I was a kid. It was around all the time, and I don't feel like a lot of people talk about Bob Marley these days. Love Bob. Oh, yeah. Love Marley, man. Not just because, like, it's, you know, reggae and pot smoke. Yeah, it's you know, true. Stuff. It's, it's, it's gospel. It's It's... It's the gospel, man. It's beautiful music. I gotta send you that Exodus documentary. It's really good. I'm gonna send it to you after this is over with. Uh, so Bob Marley. Bob Marley. All right. Uh, okay. So I'm gonna give you this setup. You are the World Wrestling Federation heavyweight champion. You are wa- exactly. You are walking through the curtain onto the ramp. The title is above your head. The crowd is cheering your name. Mm-hmm. What song oh, is yes. playing in the background as you make your way down to the squared circle? Anthony. It's the same song that plays when I unzip my pants. And <laughs> larger the margin? No. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Yes. Uh, 
<laughs> that you know, I gotta say, when I used to make you in my wrestling video games, oh, I love that. That was the song that was playing when you would come out. Oh, that's good guess, man. Yeah. Uh, for me, by the way, for people who are always curious. It's always sabotaged by the Beastie Boys. Oh, I always thought beautiful. that was my, that's my, I know that that's probably also kind of a cliche, but. Uh, uh, I was going to say Immigrant Song. Immigrant Song? Mm -hmm. they'll, they'll charge you for that from what I've heard. They, they don't like when people play their music. Oof. <laughs> Oof. Ah. Oof. <laughs> uh, give me one book, album, movie, or television show that you are currently reading, listening to, or watching. Um, album I'm listening to. Gotta check the, I gotta check the records. Uh, 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 <laughs> oh, um, album I'm listening to is oh, I just I gotta listen, remember the album, but the band is called Pliny and they're from Australia. Mm. Um, Pliny. P L I N I. Interesting. I'll, have to I'll check that out on Spotify when I'm when I'm over here. Uh, let's see. Go view view album. Are you a Spotify guy? Oh, I love Spotify. You go to Spotify all the time. I gotta like gotta start following your lists. I make a ton of weird. Like you know what? I remember all your mixtapes, and I should do dude. the same for you, man. Dude. Holy shit, dude! I, I'll show you after we get off the the air. Like I make a mixtape for every episode of the pod we've been doing for the last like six. Me and Kev have like a joint mixtape. Mm -hmm. I don't think anyone listens to them. We just make them because we're insane people. <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm I'm obsessed. I do it all the time. Oh, it's awesome. Uh, so and last but not least, we'll do one last one before we uh, let you go here. Uh, besides music. Besides community, besides friendship, besides baseball, give me one more thing that you, Anthony Colenzo, are passionate about. Oh man, you were the first guy I called about fitness stuff. By the way, I didn't know what else to call, so I don't, I don't know if that counts necessarily. But well, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just a passionate life guy. You know, I always get my hands in things that are just things to do. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm about a lot of things out there. You said it very early on. You have always given off. This particular charm, vibe, persona, whatever you want to call it. But a lot of that comes back to this, I don't want to say lust for life. That's not necessarily what I'm, it's the mm -hmm. first thing that comes to mind. But I don't know, you never seem like the kind of guy who was afraid to enjoy life. I think sometimes people are afraid to really feel good or bad or have mm -hmm. any emotions in their life. And that doesn't strike me as something about you. You seem to embrace those moments of good and bad in your life. You know, you know what? Because it's perception. Yeah. You know, you look at me, and that's a sports guy, right? Sports guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sports guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but it's like, if I'm not smiling, yeah, people think I'm just some fucking aggro tough guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. this guy's like yeah. pensive. Is he gonna like calm like a bomb or something like that? I have, and, I have a bad case of resting bitch face myself occasionally from people when they see me out in public. And I'm a. Uh, you know, I'm I'm not like a big guy, but I'm, you know, it's like I'm, I'm a bigger guy. I give off the perception that I'm gonna like I don't know, fucking beat people up. Oh yeah, a lot. Yeah. And um, I I don't like having those like angry days. Those are behind me. Oh, nice little lag wagon reference for you, <laughs> dude. I I was thinking about I was thinking about the concert. By the way, the last time when we were in New York, we went to that concert together, and we went to see Lag Wagon. And I remember we I wanted to get like some footage of of May 16th and we went down to the crowd to like dance and we were there for like a minute I'm like I'm too old for this I'm gotta, too old for I'm this. too old for this I gotta go back into the seats <laughs> it's still worth it great yeah. show but uh you know the lust for life comes from like uh you know just not trying to appear like I'm the angry guy you know I I and it's it's it 
the uh, anger definitely ties you down and prevents oh you from God. actually like living life or and then you find out that life is to be lived yeah you know and live while you're alive and it's especially tough now because i i totally agree with you I, mm. I feel like i i feel like a lot of people over the last like 10 years have gotten really sucked into like negativity uh and i i see how it happens right you open up the news you open up twitter you open up social media and you scroll doom through and gloom fucking gloom and doom all the time <laughs> and in reality like most of this stuff doesn't affect your day-to-day life no. when i got back to work and i know it sounds weird like even just going back to work at the school and work in education stuff the routine of having something that takes up my time really made the stuff that I would read. Now I just read the news. I'm like, oh, okay. So this is what's going on. Yep. All right. Back to work. Right? Like when you're just sitting around doing nothing for a whole year, you just soak in it. And, and that's where I'm glad to have good friends and good vibes from people like my good friend, Anthony Colenzo here in real life. Look so, at that. Over an hour. I was just going to say, uh, someone asked me last week, like one of the guys from Handsome Bob is like, did we go long? They went like 53 minutes. And I was like, it's a little long. Like most people go around 40 minutes, but it's been a long time since someone's gone over an hour. Like I think the longest I've ever gone is like an hour and ten with like Genesee Joe. And I did not expect to go an hour and five with you here this morning. I thought it was going to be a half hour. I thought we had like you know I was going to ask you if you had like uh, questions that I can go over. Maybe I can. But no, uh, the, the freestyle of this is I I really enjoyed it. And plus we haven't really no, had a sit down and time. coffee to share in a long time. And you know just because we've been friends for so long. Um, and the fact that we haven't seen each other in such a long time to have a good conversation. I've been sad about it, to be honest. Um, this has just been, you know, wonderful. I'm not going to sit here and bullshit you. Well, let's let's keep doing it off the air <laughs> while we close off and we'll relax and enjoy ourselves. Folks, uh, you can follow Anthony. Uh, I'll put all the listing for all his platforms and stuff. But again, check out Unbreakable, the Donato, Danny, Nappy story on all podcasting platforms. Thank you for spending time with us today, brother. Oh, wonderful, man. Thank you again. Uh, check him out on all platforms. The best. The best. Best of the best. He is, he really is. He has such a positive vibe. I wish I was always that positive. I wish I had that in me to be that like earnestly positive all That's the time. That's a choice. It's a tough choice. I'm not it's always ready to choice. take it. It's a hard choice. It's a hard choice. Uh, all right. Let's do some quick history lessons because it's already a very long show. I'll try and run through these as, not as quickly as possible, but I've condensed them down a bit. All right, on this date, 1943, uh, the Zoot Suit Riots happened. Have you familiar with the Zoot Suit Riots? Is that like the no. Well, the song, probably, right? Yeah, the song is the thing that most people remember, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a real thing. I don't think a lot of people knew that was a real yeah. thing that the song's about. Uh, after originating in Harlem jazz clubs in the 1930s, the Zoot Suit style had become a popular uh, style with young men in black and Latino communities across the country. Uh, in Los Angeles, many more conservative citizens objected to the young zoot suiters uh, who called themselves uh, pachucos, associating, themsel- uh, associating them with cultural rebellion, criminality, and gangsterism. Uh, these views only increased during World War II when the rationing of wool led to the manufacturing of zoot suits to be banned, and the wearing of them was then, th- then seen as unpatriotic. Right? Uh, the L.A. media devoted itself to portraying the pachucos as dangerous. 
On May 3rd, uh, May 30th, 1943, a verbal confrontation between U.S. sailors and Zoot suitors ended in the beating of one of the sailors. In retaliation, about 50 sailors left the local U.S. Naval Reserve armed with makeshift weapons and targeted Zoot suitors. On the second night of the riots, the sailors headed into Mexican-American communities to seek out and attack their victims, with military personnel and civilians joining in. While news reporters portrayed such rioters as heroes fighting against a Mexican crime wave, many of the attacks were clearly racist in nature, targeting Latinos, African-Americans, and other minorities, even when they weren't wearing zoot suits. Meanwhile, police arrested hundreds of young Mexican-Americans compared with comparatively few sailors or citizens involved in the rioting. Uh, zoot suit riots finally died down on June 8th, when military officials banned all military personnel from Los Angeles and called on military police to patrol the city. LA City, Com uh, city Council subsequently passed a resolution prohibiting the wearing of zoot suits on city streets. In the aftermath, Governor Earl Warren tasked an independent citizens committee with investigating the riots and determined their cause. Through se those several factors were involved, the committee concluded that racism was the central cause uh, exacerbated by inflammatory, biased media coverage and an uneven response from the Los Angeles Police Department. Sad. It's sad, right? Yeah. It's, uh, so when you think about that song, there you go. Here's what you should think about, I guess. Yeah, this is one of those weird stories I feel like people don't know about yeah, at all, no right? Idea. So there you go. On this day, 1943. Ten years later, 1953. Not the same kind of thing, but we're in the same zone here. Uh, on this day, 1953, rock and roll is banned in Santa Cruz, California. Cancel culture. Cancel culture. <laughs> right. uh, Santa Cruz, California was a cornerstone of West Coast counterculture in the mid-1960s. However, 10 years earlier, the balance of power tilted heavily toward the other side of the generational gap. In the early months of the rock and roll revolution, Santa Cruz captured national attention when on June 3rd, 1956, uh, city authorities announced a total ban on rock and roll at public gatherings, calling the music, quote, detrimental to both the health and morals of our youth and community, unquote. It was a dance party the previous evening that led to this reaction on the part of Santa Cruz authorities. Some 200 teenagers had packed the Santa Cruz Civic Auditorium on a Saturday night to dance to the music of Chuck Higgins and his orchestra. When Santa Cruz police, I like that that's rock and roll, by the way, Chuck Higgins and his orchestra. Uh, when, when Santa Cruz police entered the auditorium just past midnight to check on the event, what they found was a crowd, quote, engaged in suggestive, stimulating, and tantalizing motions induced by the provocative rhythms of the all-black band, unquote. Uh, but what might sound like a good, a pretty good dance party to some did not to Lieutenant Overton of the police from that quote, uh, who originally shut the part, who immediately shut the dance down and sent disappointed teenagers home early. May seem obvious now that Santa Cruz's ban on rock and roll and other forms of frenzied music was doomed to fail, but it was hardly the only such attempt uh, less than two weeks later, in June of 1956, Time Magazine reported on similar bans in New pa uh, Ashbury Park, New Jersey, and in San Antonio, Texas, where the city council's fear of, quote, undesirable elements echoed the not-so-thinly-veiled concerns of Santa Cruz authorities over the racially integrated nature of the event that prompted the rock and roll ban on this day. They banned the music. Mm. They banned it, guys. They were nervous. Yeah, it was canceled. It was canceled. They, it was almost like they took this piece of culture... Canceled it, mm -hmm. and nobody ever heard about rock and roll again. Nobody <laughs> ever heard about rock. It was the end of rock and roll. Mm -hmm. It's a shame. No. What could have been for rock and roll after this? Mm. Uh, <laughs> we're I've already gone. You guys want to do? Uh, I guess this is, we'll do them both. We'll do them both. I only have a few here. On this day, 1968, uh, 
Robert F. Kennedy was fatally shot. I know. They're all kind of downers. This they're all like important stories, but they're all kind of downers. Oh, good. Good uh, the summer of 1968 was a tempestuous time in American history. <laughs> Both the Vietnam War and the anti-war movement were peaking, and Martin Luther King had been assassinated in that spring, which ignited riots across the country. In the face of this unrest, President LBJ, Lyndon Baines Johnson, decided not to seek a second term in the upcoming presidential election. Robert Kennedy, John's younger brother and former U.S. Attorney General, stepped into this breach and experienced a groundswell of support. Robert F. Kennedy was perceived by many to be the only person in American politics capable of uniting the people. He was beloved by the minority community for his integrity and devotion to the civil rights cause. After winning California's primary, Kennedy was in position to receive the Democratic nomination and face off against Richard Nixon in the general election. Uh, star athletes Rafer Johnson and Roosevelt Greer accompanied Kennedy out of the rear exit of the Ambassador Hotel when Sirhan Sirhan stepped forward with a rolled-up campaign poster hiding his 22 revolver pistol. He was only a foot away when he fired several shots at Kennedy. Greer and Johnson wrestled Sirhan to the ground, but not, uh, not before five bystanders were also wounded. Greer was distraught afterwards and blamed himself for allowing Kennedy to be shot. Uh, Sirhan, Sirhan, uh, Sirhan Sirhan, a native Palestinian, confessed to the crimes uh, at his trial and received a death sentence on March 3, 1969. However, since the California State Supreme Court invalidated all death pen penalty sentences in 1972, Sirhan has spent the rest of his life in prison instead. According to the New York Times, he has since said that he believed Kennedy was instrumental to the oppression of Palestinians, which is the reason he shot him. Uh, Herbert Humphrey ended up running for the Democrats in 1968, but he lost to Richard Nixon. Yeah, another sliding doors moment for American political history. Mm -hmm. And then this one, as always, just for me. But again, a sad one. I wish this was a more positive story. The first three were for us, Heather. Yeah. First three oh, for you guys. For him, yeah. This one's for me. Wow. On this day, 1985, English football clubs are banned from European competition. So this is a sad story. In eight, the 1985 European Cup Final, which is the premier competition between soccer teams in this era, was pitted between two of the most successful and storied clubs in European history, Juventus from Turin, Italy, and of course my beloved Liverpool, an English team, and the defending champions. At 7 p.m., right before the start of their match, a group of Liverpool fans, drunk from a day spent with the bar at Brussels, charged after a group of Juventus fans. In the melee, a stadium wall collapsed, crushing some spectators. Others were trampled in the ensuing rush to flee the stadium. Uh, all told, 32 Juventus fans were killed, as well as seven bystanders. Hundreds of other people were injured, and to avoid further rioting from the unruly crowd, the game went on as scheduled, which seems outrageous to me. Juventus won the game 1-0. Uh, in the aftermath, all English football clubs were banned for five years from competing in the Champions League and UEFA Cup play. Liverpool's ban was at first indefinite, though uh, it was eventually set for 10 years and then later reduced to six. Uh, their banishment for play was a blow to the country and the sport as a whole. When the ban was announced, British Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher gave it her full support. Quote, we have to get this game cleaned up from the hooliganism at home and then perhaps we shall be able to go overseas again. Liverpool saw 14 of its fans found guilty for involuntary manslaughter in Belgium after a five-month trial. They were given three-year jail sentences. Uh, English teams were finally readmitted to Europe and European play following the 1990 World Cup. Fifteen years later, on April 5, 2005, Liverpool defeated Juventus 2-1 in the first leg of a Champions League quarterfinals game, the first time the two clubs had played since the Heisel Stadium disaster of 85. Fans stood for a moment of silence at the beginning of the game, remembering the 39 who died. 
Uh, Liverpool advanced to the European semifinals game afterwards and won their fifth European championship. Uh, I implore anybody who's interested in soccer to go read Among the Thugs by Bill Buford. Uh, Buford. I can see it in the in the shelf over there. It's a really amazing book about the dark, dark times of the mid-80s and soccer hooligan, hooliganism in Europe. Really wild, strange, dark times in our mm. history. So there you go. Some really sad, Dang. dour news <laughs> for you guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's do something a little bit lighter to close out the show. Uh, one of Kevin's favorite new recurring segments, which is they're packaging our nostalgia back to us and selling it to us again. Oh, there's a segment. Oh. A segment. It's now a so segment. So you packaged, like packaged the thing up and you're selling it back to me. So yes, I'm selling it. I'm selling it. Selling uh, it. This week, Tim- Timothy Chalamet is set to play Willy Wonka in a new origin tale from Warner Brothers uh. and the Raoul Dahl Story Company. Uh, so we're getting another Willy Wonka movie, but now we're learning about his backstory. Mm. Oh, I'm interested. In Are you in- so you're, you're into this? You like this movie? Yeah, Kaz and I are currently reading that book right now. What do you guys think it's called? I bet you it's just called Wonka, right? It's, got, it's it. gotta be just called Wonka. Um, mm. I hope it's gritty. I really, I, I would like, I know that people are thinking I'm being, like, I'm being facetious. I would like this to be a very dark, very like his, gritty. That's how his stuff I don't was. think it's gonna be. I don't believe. I think it is. I think he's gonna have a really dark childhood. <laughs> this marks the third time that Warner Brothers has taken on the Wonka story, the previous versions being adapted from Roald Dahl's classic novels, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and Charlie and the Great Glass Elevator. First one, 1971, the best one, starring Gene Wilder as Willy Wonka, and the second in 2005, starring John Depp in the role Hey, do you have any thoughts about either of these two previous versions? I loved Willy Wonka and the Chocolate. I didn't like the Johnny Depp one. So you prefer you prefer I like the original one. So I I don't know. Kevin, do you share that sentiment? I couldn't imagine anybody preferring the Johnny Depp one. <laughs> I only imagine like I only imagine I people like who were young enough to not even be familiar with the 1971 until later on. Right. But right. They just don't like it at all. <laughs> they're not aware of it, right? It doesn't mean anything to them because it's not some like ancient property from their childhood. Mm-hmm. Just some weird movie, but it didn't get as much replay, certainly, as Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory did when we were little kids on TV with reruns. That's true. Kids today That's don't so get reruns no. of Johnny Depp's Chocolate Factory anywhere. They don't even stream that. Uh, I went to go see the Johnny Depp one, and it's... Uh, it's fine. The word that yeah. I would give it, and it's going to sound harsh, is soulless. Mm. It yeah. feels very like, nah, That's here's a I dance think. number, here's an Oompa Loompa, okay. I don't know. The old one has a weird sort of creepy old charm to it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a little unsettling in a way that the new one is not, even though Tim Burton directed it, and I know he wanted to make it unsettling at parts, but mm. it's a little too Tim Burton-y. It's too much Tim Burton. This might be the first of the Tim Burton movies where you're getting too much Tim Burton. I don't know, I'm excited to see what this is about. No, this I'm sure this will be interesting. I, I think Chalamet, he's a hot actor now. Everyone loves Timothy Chalamet. He's like young. He's young. He's <laughs> a young actor. He's a young hot actor. Uh, all right. So this one's a little bit, this is more food nostalgia. Guys, Pizza Hut is bringing back. We signed Kaz up. Oh, for for Book It? Is that what you signed mm-hmm. him up for? That up. wasn't what I was going to bring up, but I'm oh, glad you brought it sorry. up. Sorry, I got He's... excited there. <laughs> No, they, well, they, it's in recent months, the company has relaunched its popular Book It program. It's brought back its own logo. It's celebrating its 25th anniversary of its stuffed crust pizza debut. So Pizza Hut is full on into their nostalgia cycle right now. Uh, Kev, they're bringing back this version, this thing as well. It's called the Edge Pizza. Kevin, do you remember the Edge Pizza for Pizza Hut? I do not. 
The edge pizza was a thin crust pizza with toppings that went all the way to the edge. Do you it remember sounds, this? No, but it sounds really good. Yeah, you're here for it? <laughs> I don't remember it though. So I tried to do that thing where I like pull up like a list of something that goes with this. And it was like discontinued Pizza Hut products. And I got to tell you, none of them really that looks good. reminded me of anything. Does that? No, yeah, this, we're looking at something right now called the Triple Decaroni Pizza, if anyone remembers that from Pizza Hut. No. And essentially, Pizza Hut <laughs> is... There's all sorts of different things they've got, like the Sicilian lasagna pizza. I don't remember that. The Panormous pizza, that vaguely rings a bell. How about the Big Italy? Remember, remember the Big that. Italy? I remember that. I remember the term Big Italy. <laughs> Yo, uh, all the stuff on here seems really bad, though. Like, nothing on here gives me any sort of excitement. The Priazzo. How about the Priazzo? That wouldn't do anything for you? I've never heard no, of it. No, I don't know. It's its biggest fail, it said, though. It's supposed to be a deep dish pizza. It's supposed to resemble a deep dish pizza, but apparently uh, it wasn't very good. They have the Twisted Crust Pizza. So you just, it's like, muddled the pizza. Two crusts that are mixed up. More right? crust. That's what everybody wants on a slice. Ooh, how about <laughs> no. the Pizza Hut refillable Pepsi jug? They refill. You give them the jug, and they refill your pizza. If you're talking about soda and the word jug. <laughs> <laughs> it's time. It's just time to maybe, like, sit down and have, think... a little, have a think. How about the Pizzolo? You guys familiar with the Pizzolo? Yeah, familiar. Why does that one so the Pizzolo was their attempt to do, like, a stuffed like a calzone. submarine-style calzone, calzone sandwich. Um, that's not a terrible idea. I, I don't think it worked for them. I mean, I don't know. I feel like that, maybe I'm wrong. I feel like a calzone or any sort of like pizza pocket or hot pocket, always kind of disappointing anyway, no matter where it's from. That's my, my thing is like, if you, okay, so if you're Pizza Hut, what the hell else do I need from you other than a pizza, pizza. if I'm there? Nothing. You know what I mean? Like, what else do, you don't need, I don't need this pasta, I don't need this taco pie pizza The taco, thing. this triple like, decaroni, I don't know what I this is. That. That's all weird that. stuff. Ah, terrible. I mean, this, this, there you take a bite. I remember the Big New Yorker. The Big New Yorker. Yeah. It was a thing. Uh, do you remember? What was? Didn't Little Caesars have one too? It was like the Bigfoot pizza. The galon. Yeah, probably. The big, yeah. Pizza. We got a lot of Little good. Caesars when I was young. I remember a lot of kids running around. You get like two pizzas for cheap. Uh, so we'll do two quick ones here that go kind of back to back. Uh, it was found earlier this week, and I found this on Entrepreneur.com. If you want a recent article. Uh, it's 3,000 years old. Guys, it's the world's oldest recorded customer complaint. If you're ever curious how long we've been complaining to managers, uh, 3,000 years. That's right. It was a gentleman named Nani. We don't know much about Nani, except he lived in Babylonia around 1750 BC, and he was really unhappy with two shipments of copper ore that he purchased from a guy named Anasir. Uh, obviously there's no Yelp at the time. Uh, Carved out his complaint on a rock. It's pretty long. You should go read the whole thing, but I'll give you just a little bit of it. Tell Anasir, Nani sends the following message. When you come, you said to me as follows. I will give Gimel Sin, when he comes, fine quality copper ingots. You left then, but you did not do what you promised me. You put ingots which were not good before my messenger and said, if you want to take them, take them. If you do not want to take them, go away. <laughs> This is amazing. <laughs> How have you treated me for this copper? You have withheld my money, bagged from me in enemy territory. It is now up to you to restore my money to me in full. Yeah, you tell them. Take cognizance that from now on, I will not accept here any copper from you that is not of fine quality. <laughs> I shall from now on select and take the ingots individually into my own yard, and I shall exercise against you my right of rejection like because you have treated me with contempt. I like the first line of the of the second paragraph. Said, "How do you how do you treat somebody like me with such contempt? What do you take me for?" 
for? Yeah. What do you take me for <laughs> that you treat someone like me with such contempt? I have sent as messengers gentlemen like ourselves to collect the bags with my money. <laughs> I wish I knew what happened. I mean, I'd love to know he the... Was sold copper ingots. No, I mean, I no wish, quality. like, what was the... What was the... <laughs> the outcome. I'd the like outcome to know the outcome. Uh, I don't know if they have an outcome out here. I'll let you know if okay. I see, if we find any more scrolls. In a non-related story, uh, for the first time since 1927, uh, the name Karen has dived out of the top name rating. That's right. The name Karen is no longer one of the highest, most popular baby names the first time since 1927. It's about right. Yeah. Tough to name your kid Karen yeah. right now. Yeah, no, Can't do it now, right? Yeah, but it's pretty wild. I didn't think the term Karen would uh, would stick around. It's been around for a long time. Yeah. True. According to the Social Security Administration, the name Karen dropped 171 spots in baby names rankings for girls in 2020, coming in as number 831. <laughs> Tough. It's a bad average. It's a bad average. All right, let's do uh, some mailbag questions. We'll do some Spotify, and we'll get out of here. It's still pretty warm. Um, okay, so... Pardon the long buildup on this question, but I think you guys will get what I'm saying. Something my friends probably all wish I would uh, stop discussing is the original Queensryche guitarists Chris DeGarmo and Mike Wilton, who I maintain are the most underappreciated rock guitarists of all time. I felt a personal responsibility to evangelize their awesomeness despite literally nobody I know giving a shit. Do you have a similarly arcane pop culture take that you feel the need to share with uninterested friends and family because nobody else will? Uh, I'm glad that somebody asked this question because I feel like I came up with three things. Mm. Uh, Heather, you'll be with me on uh, Temptation Island. I feel like I talk a lot about Temptation Island mm. to people who do not care and are not interested. Uh, that being all of our listeners on the podcast. Uh, the other one is Twin Peaks. Kevin, you can vouch for that. I you feel like Twin Peaks quite a bit. I feel like over the years, maybe not so much as I get older, but over the years, I have probably waxed poetic way too many times to way too many people who do not care about how Twin Peaks is an, uh, an unbelievable masterpiece of television that David Lynch is a hero. Mm. Uh, and then also, because of my college experience, I would say The Sandinistas. Mm. I, I feel like any sort of like Nicaraguan history, Sandinista stuff, I've been throwing that at a lot of my friends for many years. So sorry about that for you guys. Mm. Uh, guys, anything you guys can think of that you feel like you always talk about that your friends are not super excited for? My kid. Your child? <laughs> I can feel like in the beginning, like, oh yeah, but then I can tell when I keep going with it how I've lost people throughout the... <laughs> mm. Is this only for friends who don't have kids? These are for friends whose kids are already... I was last out of my friends have mm. kids. So their kids are... Some are graduating, some are in high school. So when I start bringing up things about my kids, they're like, oh, you know, like, yeah, oh, yeah, why cool. are people who don't have kids? So I definitely think that mm. when I talk about my son, and I just don't kind of... Care. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, but once I see I'm losing people, I'm like, oh, I'm just gonna cut this short real quick. So we're good. Uh, Kev, anything for you? I can't think of anything that sticks out off the top of my head. I think it. I think it depends. When I try to talk to um, non-music people about music that yeah. I really like and why I like the music, I can find sometimes there's a disconnect with. Uh, because if you're somebody who doesn't play music and not music, you might not have the vocabulary to have like a certain conversation yeah. about yeah. something. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to explain to even somebody I'm really close with why like something specific about the drums or the way the guitars sound or the way that this yeah. structure is arranged or written here 
it's tough to have the vocabulary to communicate that people sometimes and you just like can't get there if you can't get there even my nephew who's like into guitar now I'll throw terms at him that he's not ready for yet and I can tell when I've lost him mm-hmm. I'm like I right, see so you gotta take that switch and change your pickup and I just his eyes are like wide I'm like oh okay mm-hmm. we're not there okay we'll, we'll get there we'll get there mm-hmm. uh, alright I guess that's probably that's fine we'll save the other one for next week I will pull up our Spotify picks Heather would you like to highlight one of your Spotify oh, songs my things on there um, the um, I'm on fire by the chromatics I'm on fire by the chromatics I just like that song this is a nice drive I was driving to go see my girlfriends yesterday and um, that was on, and it was just like, it was just a nice ride, a chill ride song. I dig it. I'm going to listen to it immediately after this. Okay. Uh, Kevin, is there any particular song you'd like to highlight this week? Uh, yeah, let me take a look and see what I've got going on. Um, we played, so we played at this wedding this weekend. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, the, the, I feel like the groom was your like brother in arms in the world, because yep. he was a colossal wrestling and CM Punk fan. Mm-hmm. And him and his wife had the full-on replica tag team belts. Their friend was there as a ring announcer, brought him out. They did the whole entrance with the streamers. And because he's a giant CM Punk fan, he had us learn Cult of Personality for him to walk out to like uh, CM Punk does. And it was awesome. It was electric. It's a super fun song to play. We had a blast. Like, everybody there was really into it. And I wish that, like, you and Justin could have been there to see it. So I put Cult of Personality on there uh, because it's a great song and Mm -hmm. really fun to play on bass. Uh... And I'll highlight two songs real quick. Uh, number one, I Might Be Wrong by Radiohead. There's a really good article I sent you in The Atlantic this week about 20 years of Radiohead's mm-hmm. uh, Insomniac, Amnesiac, Amnesiac album. Mm-hmm. Uh, I almost expected you to put a song by Radiohead on here. I'm kind of surprised you didn't after we mm-hmm. talked about it. But yeah. you don't have to. I kind of, it's it's so easy for me to throw Radiohead on yeah. from week to week and time yeah. to time, but I try not to just pick the Radiohead song of the week for me. I threw a song off this week because I thought I'd gotten, I'd done that. I was like, I've done this too much. I got to throw it away. I got to get rid of this band. There's certain bands it. like that where I'm like, because like, I've been listening to tons of Chili Peppers and I've been playing more, but like I'm not trying to put the Chili Peppers on every week for five weeks because nobody needs yeah. that. Uh, and then of course, just in honor of our episode 311 and our guest Anthony Colenzo, I chose the 311 song, mm. Large in the Margin. And shout out to Anthony, I did put uh, Beyond the Grace guy on there yes which i had on and deleted and i'm glad you put on as well because that was the original one i put on all right shout out to anthony clenzo for joining us today shout out to heather was you can follow her at heather was one on twitter you can follow kevin at underscore kevin sullivan you can follow me at sf doom or just follow the show at uticast we are on twitter facebook instagram apple podcast stitcher podcast spotify soundcloud we are taking over the web Sayonara humanoids Keep it tight Woodstock lives The tape machines are rolling We are desperately Desperately out of time It is 81 degrees Right now The time I record this Feels a little low for Feels a little That's the outside temp (laughs) The outside temp We will see you Next week For another episode Of the Unicast And hopefully It won't be quite As balmy (laughs) 